0: hello and matt santa claus gazelle buddy Heel. what's your favorite color it is december 17th and we are here to celebrate christmas and final podcast from us in this year of 2013
1: this isn't the hanukkah podcast this isn't the kwanzaa podcast you know you what sure
0: about that i suppose this can be just the holiday podcast then Maybe not the Christmas podcast, but the holiday podcast. In
1: fairness, in in politically correct fairness. For
0: all of you uh, denominations other than Christianity out there that listen to the podcast, we are here to support whatever holiday you want to celebrate in late December. But before we celebrate any kind of holiday in late December, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley.
1: We celebrate housekeeping you every week. The holidays, winter weather coming up, snowing can screw your plans up. You want to go out but it's slushy and shitty. black ice. it's a big hassle. This year instead of going and visiting your grandmother and your parents and your sister and your brother, whoever you're going to visit your aunts uncles, just stay home and read mixos.com and you'll be much more happy. Because uh, you won't have to slide around on the ice, possibly wreck. You can do it all on the safety of your couch.
0: There's a huge back catalog of McSauce comic strips.
1: We have holiday-inspired strips. Uh, I posted one today about my feelings on uh, Santa Baby and possible sexual favors that can be offered up to Santa Claus. So go and check out our comic strips on Tuesdays. And Fridays, reviews of the comic books that we love every Monday and Thursday. Well, this week it'll be Wednesday. <laughs> but you won't know that because <laughs> this podcast won't go up till Thursday. <clears throat> but typically, the podcast can be found on Wednesdays when you're heading off to your local comic book shop. Go on Facebook, check us out on Facebook, and like us. You can download the podcast either through iTunes. You can download it on mcsauce.podomatic.com. You can also stream it there, and you can stream it on Stitcher Radio. This past weekend, fellow McSauce teammate Dominic Yossi and myself went on um, More Than You Can Chew, a Fireside Chat dual podcast. Uh, We hung out with Tiffany Moore, Ryan McCormick, and a whole bunch of our other friends that you might have heard from some of Ryan McCormick's Fireside Chat after dark the usual topics were discussed we started off talking about comedy but it really went down within about eh, maybe two minutes right into sex talk and uh, we had a pretty good time doing that um, they're looking to do some really interesting things upcoming next year so check out a fireside chat and more than you can chew you can, read, you can find both of those on lipsing.com and you can also find them in the iTunes store at the Oaks Theater, the 16 days of Xmas are still roaring along. Matt, this weekend, did you go and check out uh, White Christmas this past weekend? No, I think that isn't that coming up. The 15th is uh, was on Sunday. Uh, no, I didn't see that. I did see
2: Elf though. Yeah. That was on uh, the 14th.
1: And this upcoming weekend, the 18th and 19th. Seven o'clock. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. I don't mm-hmm. know anything about that. Do you know anything about that, Matt? No. 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 How about you, Paul?
0: That doesn't even sound familiar. I much. think it might be old. <clears throat> yeah. I think
2: it's about all uh, I almost know.
1: Hmm. Also, since we will be taking a two-week hiatus, make sure to go to the Oaks on the twentieth and the twenty-first at ten p.m. National Lampoon's. Christmas Vacation. I think that everybody out there has checked out Christmas Vacation. Pretty familiar with that one. Holiday classic, I would say.
2: I love that movie. I like that movie a lot, too. When I was um, young, when that movie first came out, I think it came out when I was like in second or third grade, My it was already in the theater, but my dad um, took my brother and, and me to that movie on, like, a Thursday night. It was a week night, a school night. But the weather was terrible outside, tons of snow. Would you
0: say the weather outside was frightful? Yes, <laughs> it was
2: very frightful. It was Halloween-esque, with more snow and less monsters. So basically it was nothing like Halloween. But, uh, we went out. There was only two other people in the movie theater. There was, like, nobody there. Um but uh, it was nice because the next day they canceled school because of snow and uh, that was the first time I ever saw that movie 1988 I think
1: and while the 16 days of Xmas is wrapping up uh, you can still go to theoakstheater.com and check out their full schedule of upcoming events that they have as well as you know the, the regular films that they show there so theoakstheater.com and uh, now I think We want to talk a little bit about the activities that we had this past Friday with the McSauce Toys for Tots charity. I want to thank everybody who helped out and donated to our charity. Uh, I know that it was a little bit of us putting it out there with not a lot of time for people to pitch in, but we still did get a lot of folks that helped us out with our efforts. Let's
2: go ahead and, and thank everybody individually. Um... We're going to start with uh, Robert Hickson. RJ,
0: as he's better known. Thank you,
2: RJ, for your contribution. Teresa Barker. Teresa Barker contributed to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Casual
1: listener to the show. She's been known to listen for a few minutes here and there.
2: Well, according to her message on PayPal, she says, Merry Christmas, McSauce, from your biggest fan. So... She might be slightly more than a casual fan.
1: <sighs> Teresa has given the most feedback to me in person about our podcast. So
2: so moving on, uh, her, her lovely brother, Dominic Yossi, frequent contributor to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Uh, Dominic donated for the Toys for Tots McSauce Comic Book Charity Superhero Podcast. Rita J. Sharpley. Oh, thank you, food. Mom.
1: I appreciate you're it.
2: Lovely,
0: lovely, lovely, Rita. We are still
2: waiting for that sweet potato pie. <laughs> she, lovely Rita, sharp. Rita sharply. Don't made think her. you can get away with just <laughs> donating to the charity. We still want that. She
1: pie. made it, and I ate it before we. Oh, you're horrible. met. So I'm sorry, and it was just me. I'm not going to even <laughs> pretend like Tracy had some or anything like that. You I ate the whole pie. pie. Yep.
2: Well, there's always the next Thanksgiving. Or Christmas, or Christmas. Are they good for New Year's?
1: I don't know. I'm sure she would make them for any. Yeah, I don't think sweet time. potato pie is holiday specific. Okay, it's Thanksgiving specific, but you can make it anytime. It's not like uh, fruit cake. Isn't that only Christmas and nobody likes? I guess it? so. I think
2: so. Uh, Frank Perry. Frank Perry contributed to the uh, to the charity. Thank, Thank you, Perry. Frank. And, uh, and we had Adrienne Caldwell contribute to the, to the charity as well, and she asked that we do not buy
0: any hot wing toys. If I could have found a hot wing, I would have bought them for myself.
1: We were looking for racist toys, but so, Adrian, another they Train, another big McSaw supporter, let us all borrow Howard the Duck, which I still have yet to give back to her. Because it was so good. Can
2: to get on that. Yep. So thank you everybody for contributing. I was money well spent, in my opinion. We, we did the best that we could as far as getting the most toys for the money
0: that we raised. We spent a healthy two hours in Toys R Us we going it. up and down the aisles, tirelessly searching for good uh, comic book slash nerd related toys. Starting with a, a Spider-Man puzzle in a tin... And ending with, uh,
2: I don't know, maybe a stuffed gonzo.
0: We took a, uh, we took a few pictures that'll uh, be up on the post when the podcast goes up. So be sure to check out uh, mixos.com Thursday yeah. for that.
2: Yeah, we had a, a pretty full cart of toys. Um, I think I think we got some good stuff. I was, I was pretty happy with, uh, with what we ended
0: up with. I was let down by Toys R Us Star Wars action figure. Yes. Selection? No,
2: I didn't bring this up. This is you that brought it up.
0: Yeah, for the record, this is me shoehorning Star Wars into the podcast. No, you only drink if Matt brings it up. But since we're already talking about it, can I say that we did get a, uh,
2: I think it was a six-inch Star Wars black line figure. It was the Darth Maul figure, which I kind of really was cool figure. thinking about sneaking that in my own <laughs> My own stash. But. I
1: thought you did sneak it in your own stash, but we did end up buying that for the kids, right? <clears throat> we
2: did, yeah. Um, and so.
1: it was one with the interchangeable head. Is yeah, that right?
2: One head had the hood, and another hood, head was just the, the bald, horny head. And... And... <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... But- it was just a great sculpt. I mean, it's it's easily the nicest Darth Maul figure that they've ever made.
1: I was, I was disappointed by the amount of Star Wars Star Wars. Why can't I talk Star Wars toys? Because you had a shot before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was weird because I recently worked at that Toys R Us, not two years ago, and there were a full aisle aisle of toys. There was uh, pegs and pegs of just action figures back whenever I was stocking those shelves, and they there, there wasn't anything, really. It was very barren. There were a few Mace Windu toys, a couple of discounted um, Anakin and Darth Vader toys that we ended up purchasing, but it was really, really sparse, I thought.
2: I agree. I was a little disappointed with that section as well. I think we were lucky to find the Darth Mall. Uh, I think he was kind of... I think he had gotten knocked off one of the pegs and he had fallen behind some of the things on one of the shelves. And there he was. But um, I even commented to Paul at one point. I said, is it just me or is this Toys R Us kind of ghetto? Like, I felt like shit was just disorganized and, and there were, like, we saw, like, a uh, an empty Lipton
0: iced tea bottle on the shelf. It was also... Yeah. In the middle of the Christmas rush, it was. Yeah, in another went thing, went on a Friday evening.
1: Not only that, but it was the Friday evening where Toys R Us does um, does layaway, and that was the final day for layaway pickup. So that mm-hmm. might have contributed to how sparse and how shitty the store was on that Friday. Sure, but regardless, they should have said they they should have had something out there. I, I was really shocked.
0: We found a really cool Lion-O in Mumra on the way out oh I didn't see that yeah yeah they were they I, were they, I wanted more Thundercats toys but I'm sure the modern generation isn't gonna know who they are anyway but they were really cool figures they were like yeah they were I think they were like six inches they were like that Star Wars black label line they have going on and they were really good sculpts of so, those figures
2: so guys what each of you what was your favorite single toy that we that we bought for the charity. What was your favorite thing?
0: Oh, I don't remember. I'd have to dig through the cart again. Kind of look at the image of the card. I think Ian yeah, has I it here. Where,
2: yeah, too. I do. Yeah,
1: do, I, you do you? to pull it up? Well, I you know what? I liked the we we got a couple Fisher Price DC figures, and they were just uh, we got a Bizarro one, I think that we oh, got a thing. Bane one, yeah, yeah. A Batman, and they were just really. They were just fun. They kind of had a Lego look to them. They they were just they're fun uh, action figures. We also uh, one of your suggestions, Matt. You found all the Avengers, and we bought the full set of the Avengers. Oh,
2: the four characters. Yeah, yeah. Those I think were five ninety nine each. They're pretty small. They're like um, what is three and three quarters inch. That's kind of yeah standard standard,
1: like Star Mm -hmm. Wars action figure size. You brought it up, not me. Take a shot.
2: Uh. Um, Yeah, those were nice, too. And the Hulk, I like that the Hulk was substantially larger. They didn't kind of skimp on the Hulk. He was, you know, like twice the size of Iron Man or Captain America.
1: I also want to bring up that we we did all age ranges, or at least up until, you know, I would say... (laughs) Mid-30s. Clearly, because I've wanted some of this stuff. (laughs) But we got... A couple My Little Pony action figures, as you guys referenced before, we got Gonzo and a uh, Mickey Mouse in a Spider-Man uniform. So we we got a we lot got of different stuff. Kermit,
0: the Frog. We got Kermit, Kermit,
1: Kermit the, Frog, the Frog, the Fisher Price action figures that we were just talking about. So we I think we did a good um, range. Yeah, we of we, items.
0: we really went out to cover both genders, multiple age ages. Um, I think one of the one yeah. of my favorite things that we picked up were the Kermit the Frog and Gonzo plushes. Yeah. Well, I I from the they, Muppet movie. Yeah. I think it goes back to when I was a kid, I had a Kermit, and I think he's... Actually, I i don't know what happened to him. He lost both of his eyes. Did he have, like, the Velcro hands? I think he did, but the Velcro clearly done, would, wouldn't work anymore. But, uh, the Gonzo and Kermit were really cool-looking plush figures, and I think just... It reminded me of, uh, you know, being a kid and leaving that at Pizza Hut and having to go back and retrieve it.
1: (laughs) So the Gonzo
0: Gonzo and Kermit were probably my favorites. The
1: whole trip reminded me of, you know, going back to my childhood and picking out toys for fun. It's been a long time since I went into a Toys R Us and was a customer rather than a worker. So it was a different perspective for me and you, Paul, who both spent a lot of time I
0: hadn't been in a Toys R Us since, I, I would say... 2000 when was the last time i worked there so going going back into toys R us and just going in with the sole purpose of just looking at toys to buy was like that's the most frequent dream that i have over and over again buying toys i I remember my dreams all the time it's nightly and one of the most frequent things i dream about is being in some toy store looking at Star Wars figures or Transformers or just something, some kind of toys all the fucking time.
1: That, that's funny. I've had, in recent years, probably within the last three years, I had a dream where I I went back in time, I had the financial means that I have now, and I was able to buy the whole set of the Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Ooze toys, I think it was. They were sort of like rubberized, if you remember those yeah. ones, they're the... And I thought those were the coolest looking action figures. But I remember only being able to get Leonardo back in the day. So now, as I time travel, that was the thing that I ended up buying was the whole series of them. Speaking
2: of uh, getting Turtles figures, sadly we were not able to get the entire four collection of the four Turtles. We were only able to get Leonardo, Raphael, and Michelangelo for whatever reason, who I consider probably the least popular of the four donatello is missing
1: do you think maybe he short packed
2: maybe maybe but they didn't have a single donatello yeah
0: and there were a couple different figure styles there was the regular ninja turtle figure there were ones that the shell opened and you could store stuff in there right and donatello was gone across the board yeah
1: to me that almost says that maybe this younger generation appreciates the nerdier Ninja Turtle, the the intelligence of Donatello. The tech
0: savvy Donatello. Yeah. I was going to use that now, same term, tech savvy. I was. I'm not even right kidding on. you. This bump. All right. So, uh,
2: my favorite thing that we got. Okay, yeah, it's probably the Darth Maul thing. But what I always uh, really liked about Christmas when I was a kid was getting art supplies. Um, a lot of the my favorite gifts that I ever got were art related. Whether it was you know a set of markers or you know like the blitz cartoon thing that i talked about on another podcast but the one art related thing that we did pick up were these these kind of cool pages one was for teenage mutant ninja turtles and the other was for barbie and they were metallic pages with metallic markers that you could draw on. i don't know how nice they would have turned out but on the package they looked pretty cool and we got those those were some of the first things that we picked up and I like those. I thought those were pretty cool. I was excited about those. I like
1: the old schoolness of what we picked up as well. yeah, everything that we put in the cart could be played with right out of the box with nothing but your imagination and i I, I think that maybe kids nowadays are missing out on a little bit of that um, so it was it was fun to be able to do that shop like we were shopping for younger versions of ourselves. Yeah,
2: well, that was the nice thing, being the three of us together, being basically the same age, being into the same things. I'm sure that if we knew each other when we were six years old and we got all of our toys together, we would have, like, almost probably identical sets of toys. Mm-hmm. And so just going through the aisles and, and taking a trip down memory memory lane together, we could all kind of relate to everything that we were seeing. And I, I mean, we probably said the words "Hey, remember this?" or re- "Remember when?" like a thousand times. That what's
0: night. What's nice is seeing the 1980 X-wing mold still in use for the current
1: models for the toys, and that throwback packaging that yeah. Star Wars has on a lot of its stuff, which is bullshit. Because no. you, you, okay, you that's see not that cool.
0: Packaging out of the corner of your eye, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's great!" And then you go over to it, and you're like captain tarples who the fuck is this i know who captain tarples is nobody wants captain tarples
1: <sighs> that's why he was there yeah we had um, we
0: had a great time thanks to everyone who who contributed and pitched in
1: i don't um, think it's a stretch to say that we'll do this again next year we'll have more organization we'll let you know around halloween next year and and we'll go
0: yeah yeah great time uh, thanks thanks to everyone who who pitched in um good cause and really just gave us a good night out of uh going and shopping for toys
2: lots good i I just wanted to say that i'd like to announce how much we actually did raise for toys for tots this year how much we spent um because we couldn't have done this without you guys um believe the grand total of our of our trip to or us Ian I think you remember it. the, the grand
1: total it, it was like 267 is what we spent
2: 267 so, so. you guys amazing
1: yeah amazing we really appreciate everything that everybody did and thank you for the comments thank you for the support of our podcast as well as this uh, this great cause for these kids
0: so let's get into some podcast topics tonight that, that, that we're gonna cover. Our buddies at That Old Comic Smell Podcast. Uh, You can find them on iTunes. If you like us, you will more than likely like them as well. Um, They asked us via Twitter last week, whenever we, we, we were recording, our opinions on the Big Bang Theory. And Big Bang Theory is about nerds who do nerdy things. And I know Big Bang Theory gets a lot of heat because it's kind of written so that you're laughing at the nerds. And not with the nerds, but and I've I've watched it. I guess from the second season, I went back and caught up on the first season. I think it, that road kind of goes both ways. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of in jokes where on the surface it might look like they're making fun of nerd culture, but they're really throwing in an Easter egg so that if you know that stuff, you're gonna pick it up and, and it, it's also gonna be funny. So I've never had a problem with it in that regard. I don't know if it's as funny this season or the last couple seasons as it has been those first few seasons
1: well some of the dynamic with all of the cast kind of coupling up and getting married that takes a little bit of the spice out of any series i think so i haven't watched a lot of this this season but i've watched every season before it i've always enjoyed the big bang theory i think it's it's funny it does nerd culture well um and It always shines a a nice light on the things that we like. Uh, While those nerds may not be real-life nerds, I've never met a scientist that likes comic books before.
0: Yeah, like, this, this season's been okay, but the episode that aired last Thursday... The Christmas episode? The Christmas episode. Did you watch the Christmas episode? Yes. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I thought it was easily the best episode of this season. It fucking killed me, and it was it was kind of a uh, it's a wonderful wonderful lifestyle episode, which sounds which sounds hokey and, and gimmicky, but the way it was written, it wasn't it wasn't like that at all. But Sheldon goes to Texas for the holiday, and everyone else is just kind of reminiscing about how Sheldon's kind of the linchpin of how how they all know each other now. But the way they do the the what could have been scenes was really interspersed throughout. And the character Stewart that owns the comic book shop, I think he he owned that episode. The bits they threw in with him were were hilarious. If you don't watch The Big Bang Theory, go check out the latest Christmas episode, because I think it's one of the best ones they've done.
1: I, I haven't been watching that. I have them all on my DVR. I haven't been watching them. I almost might just skip over the entire season, just go right to that Christmas episode and check it out. I don't Sounds think you, good.
2: I don't think you'd really be missing anything because it is a kind of a uh i don't know chronological story in that show i don't feel like they're exactly self-contained episodes like a lot of sitcoms can tend to be but at the same time i don't think there's been any major developments yeah
1: i know enough about these characters that nothing that they've done through the first half of the fall season is going to really impact yeah. how I feel or you know, leave something out. But I, I've always liked the Big Bang Theory. I think it's good. I think it does get um, a lot of unnecessary nerd angst because of the perceived slight-against-nerd culture. I've I, always enjoyed it.
0: I don't like that everyone's paired up with, with with a girl now, and that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that, no, we're bringing more girls in, and I just want it to be guys not sexist folks. it doesn't it not in this not, nothing, yeah, not okay, regarding the Big Bang Theory but I, I think there's I think there are just more storytelling avenues to explore when a character single or not with someone but once you start marrying everybody off you close off an entire section of potential stories DC Comics now doesn't want anybody together and I think I think that's fine like I'm um, I would much rather see a story about Clark going out on some awkward date with some random girl, then, oh, you forgot to bring home bread tonight,
1: honey. I do agree that you close off a lot of possibilities. But I also don't agree with, with what DC does, where they've kind of put that declaration out there where there are no marriages. Is it, haven't they said that that won't happen in the new 52? Or they have put, like, a real hard... Um, you know, definitive stamp on that.
0: Yeah, may, may, maybe the definitive stamp isn't isn't the right way to go. It should be a, a little looser. Like, maybe they shouldn't have said this has been the first five years of uh, the new 52. They should have left themselves some wiggle room.
1: New single Superman is much more fun than... Well, no Ma- Superman Mar- is Mar- fun right
0: now. Let's be let's be serious. Except not even
1: Wonder Woman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman? not but that Charles one. So, yeah. Tony
0: Daniel, what a good fucking comic book. Matt, you're awfully quiet over there. Uh, do you not watch The Big Bang Theory? That
1: is going to be a t-shirt, by the way. Matt, you're awfully <laughs> quiet over there.
0: Do I not talk enough on the podcast?
1: Well, no, I think me and Paul are just blabbermouths, so... Uh, <laughs> and you have manners, and we don't.
2: I've seen the, pod, or the podcast. I've seen the podcast. Have you? been, yeah, here been pretty here good, a yeah. couple times. I've also seen The Big Bang Theory. Uh, I've watched every episode, and uh, it's one of my favorite shows. I didn't know that there was any kind of nerd um, rage against the Big Bang Theory for kind of making fun of that culture. I had no idea because I—I I mean, that's my culture, and I never took offense. I think it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree with Ian too that there's a weird like there's there's science nerds and there comic nerds. Yeah, but I think they're two different genres of nerddom that don't often meet. Yeah, it is two different. I feel like two different groups, ordinarily, or maybe not. Maybe we
2: just don't know the super smart ones. We're just kind of the dumb nerds,
0: maybe. Like, but the way Sheldon's presented about being, you know, very regimented and you know, very fact based and science based, I, I think the it's plot weird holes that he's also, in one
1: Superman comic yeah, I, alone would blow I his almost, mind.
0: I almost feel like if he really, if that, if he was a real person and really read a comic, like he would just. Had spend the whole time just pointing out you know poor comic book science in it and not enjoy it mm-hmm. but I can overlook that. I can suspend my disbelief because well uh,
2: they I thought it was really funny when, in the first season when they were talking about the Superman movies, and they were doing a Superman movie marathon, and they told Penny that they were going to do this marathon, and Penny goes, "There's more than one whoa." <laughs> And then Sheldon goes, you're joking, right? <laughs> like, how dare you not know that? And um, he had kind of criticized how Superman was able to catch a falling Lois Lane from a building and basically saying she should have been split into three equal slices. <laughs> um, I feel like that is kind of lacking in, in the later seasons. I, I, don't, I can't think of... The comic book stuff? Related examples. They go to
1: the comic book store more often. They do. But it doesn't feel like there's enough comic book or pop culture humor in there. Right. I guess that they're pulling from... Both of these types of nerds are perceived to be awkward and, and, you know, not know how to deal with women. And that's how they're kind of combining them because they have those similar perceived traits. Which
0: is another problem comic fans have with the show because... You know, they do cry. We're not like that. We're not that nerdy. Well, guess what, guys? You I are. see you playing magic in the back of the comic shop when I go every week. You are, Sheldon Cooper.
1: But guess who goes into the comic shop every week and says, look at those fucking dorks, <laughs> but probably doesn't realize that they're equally as dorky. Ian. <laughs> yeah, just me. Well, Matt, too. Both of you guys.
2: People don't play magic at the comic shop I go to.
0: Oh. You're, you're, you you're go to an upscale comic shop. A less nerdy comic There, I go,
2: I go to Arkham Gift Shop, beautiful little comic book store. Uh, and also, my Wednesday night tradition is to go to Denny's afterwards.
1: Do you really do that every single Wednesday night?
2: Well, not every Wednesday night, but many. Like, I would say I would do it probably <laughs> about 60% of the time.
1: So you like a real vicious case of the poops right before you <laughs> read your comic books
2: no no De-
1: well you go to Denny's that's gonna fuck your stomach up.
2: apparently it does for you no Long John, it does. Silver- oh. Long John Silver's would give me the
1: poops but
2: Denny's depending on what you get it's okay
1: yeah. honestly that would be a perfect that you could sit on the toilet you could have your comic books right there who
2: does oh. not like to read comics taking a shit for real, I do it.
1: I've I've done it in the past. More of a magazine guy, but
2: yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the like nice quick guys. quick hits. Yeah, yeah, but
1: your entertainment
2: news. Comics books are great, great for bathroom reading.
0: So I don't think any of us have a problem with reading comics on the toilet or The Big Bang Theory. I, I don't know what I don't know who produces the show or what connection Warner Brothers has with CBS, but the show is littered. With DC and Dark Horse stuff. You will not see some Marvel product on, on the Big Bang Theory.
1: That's true.
0: I, 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 I guess there have Warner been. Brothers has something with CBS. There um, have
2: been Marvel <clears throat> appearances here and there. But
1: it's very, very rare. Yeah. Like
0: they'll, they'll make mention, but all the... you've No, you've actually seen Marvel stuff as well. But they're few and far between. I, I haven't. Like when you go to the comic book shop, it's all... There's Star Wars stuff, yeah. some Hellboy statues, and just DC comics out there. Remember the, the
2: episode when the girls decided to finally check out a comic book? They checked out Thor, and they showed the Thor book. Um,
1: what a dreamy comic for them to check out as yeah. well.
2: But I do think the show has gotten a little bit, and I'm not going to say stale, because it hasn't gotten stale. It's just different. And I don't like it as much as I used to because of the relationship aspect. There's... I mean, it's just an inevitable thing for a show. Because on the other hand, I don't want them to... Because I like Penny and I like Bernadette. Mm -hmm. And I don't want them to write these characters in a way to break them up with the main characters. Just so that way you can separate them and then you kind of won't like those characters anymore. It's just a natural progression that all shows inevitably end up going into. I mean, think of your favorite shows. Most of them... You probably like the first three
1: seasons better than the latter seasons. It's hard to write seven seasons of any kind of show and keep the quality yeah. and keep it fresh. So,
2: I feel like that first season for most shows are kind of the, the feeling out stage, kind of learning who the characters are and the way they're going to react to situations. Like If you go back and watch the first handful of um, Big Bang Theory episodes... They're gonna probably seem kind of weird. Like in the very first episode, Sheldon is at a sperm bank and he's gonna like, he's there to to donate his sperm. But
1: Sheldon would never do exactly.
0: that. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So was, was that it? in the the the, the pilot. pilot that, H- that Pilots yes. are
1: always weird, regardless of the show. Pilots yeah. can be strange so because I,
0: I read an article that initially when they first drew up the plans for Big Big Bang Theory, Sheldon was straight up, straight guy, with a libido. Like, the first episode had, like, a handful of lines of him saying, like, raunchy things to Penny. Like, he was super nerdy, but he also had this weird sexuality about him that didn't test well oh. whenever they ran those they first They must have created episodes.
2: Howard Walowitz instead, who, who has actually become one of my favorite characters on the show because he has evolved... In a in a believable way, you know, like most TV show characters, especially for sitcoms, outside of that initial awkward feeling out stage in the beginning, are pretty much the same character throughout. But Howard is the one character that has really changed, and it makes sense because he met a girl that he loves, and he became, you know, more respectful toward women and everything.
1: This season, do they still have Raj? where he cannot speak to women unless he's drinking alcohol? Because that's annoying me. After seven years of that, I'm like, all right, can't yeah, we have a breakthrough? He's
2: he's had the breakthrough. Okay. Um, I think they got to the point where it was probably just kind of a pain in the ass to write that. It, you know, the joke is only funny for so long, so they just basically had him stop doing that.
1: I know that last season they simply didn't address it, but he always had... Some kind of alcohol around him, or something. They never brought it up. But if there was a woman in the frame, he had a beer in his hand. Yeah.
2: So, um, I the, the Raj is the other character that's sort of changed over the course of the um, of the show, and what I don't like is. I think they're playing up the whole kind of bromance a little too heavily with him and Howard. Yeah, and I mean it's it's funny, but I feel like it's it's taken center stage too too dominantly
0: this season. I feel like the writers may, may maybe last season a little bit, and especially into this season, it feels like the writers were toying with: do we make Raj gay? Because, I mean, they were really put... Like, Raj is the most feminine of the four of them. But I feel like lately they've really been pushing that. But they, the last couple episodes, and in this Christmas one, I felt like they really pulled back. And they, had, they gave him some definitive dialogue that was clearly saying, I'm a straight guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know towards the end of last season, he was kind of trying to date that girl that he met at the party that was really super uncomfortable too she was jumping out of bathroom windows to get away from him because she was so uncomfortable i thought that was an okay pairing i guess that didn't work out or anything yeah. But
0: what's gonna be really funny is when it comes out that the guys from uh that old comic smell hate the big bang theory and we spent like an hour talking about it
1: did I don't you? think that they hate a lot of things. They're such nice guys. I listened to their their takes on uh, the the ho- holiday movies, and they were talk- I did like they talked about Die Hard as their favorite Christmas movie. I like Die Hard. I feel like it's a Christmas movie. They they just were uh, very, they're very pleasant guys. They don't hate very many things. No, this is going to
0: get boring later for Jody because I have the same opinion of A Christmas Story as he does. But we'll get into that later.
2: In honor of our good friends at That Old Comic Smell, uh, we we decided to purchase one of the toys um, specifically for our friends there. Um, Ian, who did we get? What action figure did we get just for those guys?
1: We got Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, unofficial <laughs> mascot of our show, but the guys at That Old Comic Smell talk about wrestling... An awful lot on their show, so we thought that that would be a good, uh, good guy to purchase.
0: We, we sent Ian back to the front of the store to make a, the specific Dwayne Johnson purchase.
2: So um, one of the one of the toys that we didn't get because we basically ran out of money and time, uh, they had a RoboCop figure, a classic RoboCop. That, that glowed in the dark. Did we?
1: I missed that. I saw the new black outfit. Yeah, they, out, but they, they had a classic had, one. The,
2: well, yeah, they had the three and three quarter inch new black one, but then they had the classic, and he was more like a, a six or a seven inch figure on a like a larger package. It was yeah. it was pretty cool. But um, anyway, back to the Big Bang Theory. You guys, do do you guys have particular episodes? Like, do you have a favorite episode, Ian?
1: I like the Halloween episode where they all dress up as the Justice League. That one's... Um, wasn't
2: that for New Year's?
1: What, uh, was it New Year's? Was it New Year's or Halloween? Maybe it was New Year's. Whichever episode that was where they dress up as the Justice if League. it
0: wasn't for Halloween, it seems silly that it wouldn't be for Halloween if they I dressed know. up as the Justice
1: League. That's why I was making that call, but I don't know. I could be I wrong. I think it was a
2: New Year's Eve party where it was like a costume party... So everybody got dressed up, and there was like another justice League, but you know the big Bang guys won because they actually I think had a female as Wonder Woman
0: and he made a pretty pretty
1: hot Wonder Woman, and he makes pretty hot a lot of things. everything
0: and, uh, and if, the one and that if you're, you're a penny oh. fan, you'll enjoy one of the. One of the what could have been scenes from this latest Christmas episode. I'm excited
1: to, to take a look at it. Yes. I also did like the one where they bought the Thor comic book. To, where they're, the girls are trying to figure out what is so great about comic books. And I can only imagine the girls in our group of friends going to the comic book store and actually purchasing a book and reading it. Even though my wife does read some comic books. She reads Mouse Guard and things like that.
0: I love Mouse Guard.
1: I like it, too. Paul, do you have a favorite episode?
0: Um, I don't think I have a favorite. This latest Christmas episode really, really made me laugh. I, I liked it a lot. But there's also an episode where, maybe from from a couple seasons ago, where Raj and Sheldon are fighting for the same office, and they both squeeze two gigantic desks in this tiny room. <laughs> and there's a bit in there where Raj sets something up to scare the shit out of Sheldon. And the way... Um, What's that actor's name? Jim Jim Parsons. The way Jim Parsons acts out the scene when he when he screams and falls down—it's fucking hilarious. Well, and that dude just keeps winning
2: Emmy every year after year for that role. He's good. He is good.
1: I feel like that's how he actually is in real life. Like that's I, I don't that, want to know guy. the real
2: Jim Parsons. Like, yeah. I, I like him as Sheldon Cooper. I want him to be Sheldon Cooper in real life. I
0: saw him on uh, Letterman one night, and he's not—he's not that far from <laughs> Sheldon Cooper because I—I—I I, I, I went in the same way. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch him. It's going to be really weird. He's not going to be anything like the character. Uh, like Jesse Tyler Ferguson is—he's pretty different from. Uh, from Mitchell that he plays on on uh, Modern Family, so when I see him in person, it's kind of weird. But yeah, Jim uh, Jim Parsons isn't all that different from Sheldon Cooper, so I think that character really plays into his wheelhouse.
1: I'm trying to look up other things that he's been in. He's he's been in uh, Garden State. He was, he was uh, in Garden State. I'm sure it's a bit part uh, episode of iCarly. He had a
2: small and... role in. Uh... One of my absolute favorite shows ever. Ed, in one of the episodes, played like a park guide. Um, I think my favorite episode, off the top of my head, would have to be the episode where the group of them, uh, when I say the group, I think this is just the guys, uh, decide to go to um, see Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater. And starts out and they're trying to figure out can they actually make it to dinner and then back to the movie and then you have Sheldon's OCD who's like totally freaking out that they're not going to have time for it and um it's just like I feel like a lot of relatable scenarios that, that are hilarious. Is, that, that, is that
0: the episode where at the end they wind up stealing the film reel?
2: Yeah. Yeah that one sounds pretty good. And you, and you had the um the guest star, um, uh, Will Wheaton, who has appeared on the show mm-hmm. a bunch of times. Um, yeah, that
0: was a good one, I thought. So. so, so I think it's a fairly definitive... We're fans of the Big Bang Theory on the McSauce Podcast. Yeah. Something that maybe we weren't such big fans of, we all saw last weekend, which was Hobbit. Desolation of Smog. I'm not saying it weird. Smog! I don't, know why, I don't know why you guys are fucking making googly eyes at each other the whole fucking movie every time they say smile. smog, Smog was
1: hilarious, buddy. It's so fun to say. Just um, so say it once.
0: If, to say it once. If you don't, I've said it. Wait, I've seen, who's it, I've making seen the googly commercials. Eyes? Ian and Teresa and Dom.
1: Because it's fun to say! What Smog. Your googly eyes
0: look like?
1: Uh, I don't know what my googly eyes look like Because it was in the dark oh,
0: okay. so. well, What did they look like, Paul? You know I don't know Every time someone said said his name There would be It happened be six giggling, times Giggling And Ian would look over oh, And then there was giggling This
1: guy was just mad That he like, wasn't in up, just watch the movie He was upset that he wasn't involved There was no kind of Sounds made It was just googly Googly eyes don't make sounds I didn't say googly eyes made sounds you were saying shut up. But anyway shut up not just
0: in, in general. Just knock it off. Not just not necessarily shut up, quit talking. So if you haven't seen The Hobbit, you may want to skip ahead a little bit. Um I thought it was underwhelming. Ian? Wow, he just comes right out with it.
1: Yeah, um, I there were parts that I liked about it, but overall, not that I didn't expect it to be very long, but it was it was a lot of things felt drawn out. It felt like you could feel them stretching the story out to make it fill this space that they needed it to fill. Um, I wasn't as pleased with it as I was the original Hobbit movie.
0: Matt
2: I agree with you I was not as pleased with it as the original Hobbit movie. however, I quite liked it. I did not get the sense that it was drawn out. It felt stretched in any way. I think that some of the content might not have been as interesting, but I didn't feel like it was noticeably being drawn out to be drawn. Yeah, out.
0: I agree with that. It didn't feel lo- it didn't feel excessively long to me. No. It just it just wasn't engaging for me a, a, a lot.
1: I felt like <clears throat> they they spent a lot of time Resting and doing things that I it, it they, they spent a lot of time in the beginning of the movie at the uh at the cabin with the uh, the shape the skinwalker shapeshifter guy. It felt long to me. I don't really? know, it did. I mean, it, I it thought that did. was
0: fast. I thought, thought was it was fast, fast. too. Yeah.
1: Also, I have never read The, the Hobbit or I, I might have read it a long time ago, so I'm not super familiar with the book.
2: I've never read it either.
1: Okay. I'm
2: a big fan of the, of the movies, though. The Lord of the Rings trilogy yeah.
1: and these
0: two movies. The
1: barrel chase felt long to me. The lake, the lake Town stuff felt the longest. That was what felt very long to me.
0: The barrel chase, also known as banana peels and cream pies.
1: <laughs> Paul,
2: that brings up what uh, I think one of your big issues with the movie in general.
0: You felt it was a little too silly. There were there were moments that th- that really stood out. A little too cat dennings. A little too cat dennings, yeah. It was it was almost like Marvel had a hand in
1: making Desolation of Smaug. The Desolation of Cat Dennings. Ooh. Oh When Legolas snipped that orc's head off, I think you can hear if you listen real close, he says Waka Waka. Yeah,
0: there were there were a couple times where like the first time Legolas uh skateboards on something being at a totally or a radical, or whatever. Dude. I was like alright that's a little nod back to you know the uh, the original movies where he does that stuff I get it but then he does it the second time and I'm like alright and then he does it again and by the third time I was like come on
2: really I don't remember him doing it three times the
0: The barrel chase scene where he stands on there's all these barrels with a dwarf in each barrel going down the river and the dwarfs are... They're in the barrels up, up, up to their shoulders. And Legolas is running down the banks of the river fighting all these orcs who are trying to catch the dwarves in the barrels. And he's jumping from bank to bank and running up these trees and doing all this crazy shit.
1: That well, a wood it, elf does. It, it highlights, you know, his powers right. and his and, connectiveness and with nature. stuff
0: I don't have a problem with.
1: But then at one point,
0: he... He winds up jumping down on two dwarves, and he's standing on two different dwarf heads, riding down the river, and he's shooting arrows and killing orcs on overhanging trees. Being badass in general. While he's on these 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 dwarf heads, and like there's one point where like he has to lift up one leg and he's he's balancing on one, <laughs> and it felt so over the top. Like all the legolas stuff in in the the three Lord of the Rings movies. Even the crazy shit he did with the big elephant in the end none of it felt none of it felt corny to me but this just felt so fucking over the top that was some pretty crap CGI though when he killed the big
2: elephant in return of the king i thought by the way i
1: remember how unnatural it was that he ran up and it was like he had to dislocate his shoulder to do <laughs> yeah. the cgi maneuver that he did to,
0: uh, to unhook the, the giant harness so what i always
2: off. felt was one of the coolest things was in the two towers during the the when the riders of rohan fought against the the orcs on the um or maybe they were archive they were on those like dog things and they had that big battle in the in the field. The
1: Orakai are the bigger dudes. The orcs are the smaller guys, right?
2: Yeah. Right. I think okay. it was the Orakai on those, correct? Or maybe not. No, it was just orcs. orcs. Anyway. Um, Legolas is up ahead scouting because elves can see, like... Way like miles farther than anybody else.
1: They've got elf elf eyes.
2: Yeah, it's amazing how these elves are essentially like all superheroes in in the Tolkien universe.
1: Don't they live for a very long time? They're immortal, as well? I believe.
0: They, they are. Immortal. They can be killed,
2: yeah. but they
0: don't. At age At some or point, something. after however many years on Middle Earth, they move on to. Um, they get in the, the boats other, and take off The other place that it's called Justin's gonna kick my ass for not knowing what that's called But yeah, they get up and go over there But there was, there was the barrel riding scene So And later on in Lake Town When Legolas is fighting two orcs And one orc goes over the railing And lands on the front of a boat Then the other orc goes over the railing Hits the back of the boat The orc on the front Shoots up like two stories to where Legolas is on his balcony, and he comes up. And Legolas cuts his head off, but then he like holds his head there for a second in these two knives, turns around at the camera, winks at it, and then he lets the head go. And those those were two two moments that I just groaned watching that. Based
2: movie. on based on the way you describe that, I'm starting to get the sense that you just want to get pissed off about it. But I want to finish my thought from before, one of the cool parts from The Lord of the Rings with Legolas, as he's scouting up ahead, his buddies are riding behind him on horseback, and I think it was Gimli's horse, and Legolas jumps on the horse, but he does this wacky like, like he goes to one side and then he flips around the other side, indicating like these elves are so incredibly nimble and light and everything, because... I think in The Fellowship of the Ring, he's seen actually walking on top of snow, where everybody else is trudging through it, and I think that was kind of a, an awesome little touch, which, getting back to your point, Paul, how you have all the unnecessary comedy, which didn't really bother me as much as all of the the ninja-like skills, particularly of it. Legolas and his girlfriend, who I believe was created exclusively for this movie.
1: Do we have a problem with created characters for the film? I didn't read
0: the book, so no. Paul? No, I'm not so tied to the Lord of the Rings Hobbit mythology that it bothered me.
2: But my brother actually pointed this out to me after we'd seen the movie. We didn't go together, but um, we were talking about it the next day. Uh, We just couldn't work out schedules. So, um... He said what bothered him was that everybody was like a ninja and and the orcs were like not in any way formidable adversaries to any of the heroes. And and I started thinking particularly about the barrel chase sequence where all the barrels are going down the river and the orcs are on the banks and they're just getting taken out like they're absolutely nothing. If you go back to the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, they were... I mean, yeah, they they killed a lot of them like they were nothing, but I think there were sequences where they were a lot more... They had to deal with a, a lot less orcs, and yet they had to struggle to deal with them in a lot of instances. Like, if you think about the end of Fellowship of the Ring, when they're at... where the hell were they?
1: That place in the woods. That
2: place in the woods, right. And...
1: I mean, the, there was a lot the, of them, the, but the fact that they killed Boromir that early in this trilogy signifies that wow, they're whacking these you know main characters out. These this adversary those, is
0: powerful. But those were also Uruk Hai orcs, which were specifically bred bigger, that's true. And stronger, sure,
1: better. sure. But true. for the the purpose of the story, I can see where Matt saying that you know nobody, not one person on the good guys team got hurt well, well one, one guy did. one guy but took
2: I, an arrow in the leg
1: but i mean in all that madness where all those orcs are getting slaughtered by the elves nobody else got injured well that was a
0: problem i took out of the first hobbit movie was that there's all that crazy shit going on in those orc caves and i know all the all the dwarves get out in the entire hobbit book but, and i but, know that's what? why are you doing this
1: well, who no. knows
0: what Peter Jackson's gonna do?
1: No they, no, they don't. Don't some of them get killed in the Battle of the Five Armies? Don't a couple of them get killed? I thought they all okay, made it out. Okay. I thought a couple Let's of them died. pretend die. we haven't read the book.
0: Alright. Well, apparently, I've read it so long ago, I don't know. But, it, nice regardless, in The Hobbit, they go through all that shit in those orc dungeons, and all of them make it out, and, like, no one has a scratch on them? Kill some fucking Dwarves!
1: Well, wasn't the Hobbit it was written a as consequence to wasn't these the movies? Hobbit written as a children's mm. book almost though? Yeah, Maybe that's a part lot
0: of, of it. kid-friendly than Lord of the Rings, which is you know big fantasy dramatic epic. Mm-hmm.
2: I have no problems with the uh, the scope and the sim- simple nature of the Hobbit story, even though I haven't finished it because I'm basically just going through the movies instead of the book. Um, I think i would like it if maybe i mean you got 13 dwarves i think it's okay to like kill a couple of them um and it's not i mean i like them i think they've all got their own unique personalities but it
1: i need a sense of danger
2: right i didn't know that none of them die and there were a couple points in the movie particularly the second movie where i wasn't sure i actually thought that the um the one that takes an arrow in the leg—I thought he was done. I thought he was going to die in that moment. And you can't
0: kill the handsome one.
2: Uh, I thought they were going to kill the handsome one.
1: He was too handsome. He was handsome enough to pull in that elf. Can you believe elf?
2: that?
0: Hmm.
1: He was charming, handsome. Look out! Now.
0: I have never been so attracted to that chick as I was in Desolation of Smog. What else was she in? Lost.
1: Lost. But Evangelii other than that, Lily. Oh, okay. other than that, I don't think she's been anything that in anything that I paid attention what? to, but she was she was really attractive in the old Smaug yeah, show. I was
0: so hot for her in that movie, I didn't realize it was her. I had to I was like, who is this chick? I had to look it up and then I was like, oh really?
1: You didn't know going in? They made a huge deal uh,
0: about yeah, I, I the casting about over. It. Yeah. So
2: guys, what what did we like about the movie? Surely there was something you liked, Paul.
0: I liked
1: That's very accusatory.
0: I liked yeah, I I mean I liked the movie. I liked it as a whole. I thought um, Bard was really good. Uh, Luke Evans, I thought he did a great job. I liked that character. I liked the way he was acted. Uh, I thought he was a really cool cool addition. Um, I don't know if we needed the elves so much. More than just the stopping off point. Um, the the character that's stolen both movies for me so far is Balan. Um Kind of the older, wiser... One of the dwarf party with you know, the white hair beard, and white, big white beard and hair. Yeah, he's. I think the the guy playing him. He's he stole every scene he's in. Um, I thought um, the guy that plays Bilbo did a great job again. It's, I, it's, I think it's been very well acted,
1: and it's real consistent as well. One thing that I like is that there's no there's no question about these sets of trilogies. Flow seamlessly together with the the music, with the clearly the actors and the quality of acting, with the effects and costumes. It all goes into one big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite parts was um, the the side story with Gandalf and Radagast, where they go and they're finding out what's going on um, with the necromancer and finding out who the necromancer actually is. I thought that that was. That was something fun. I like that, that I'm gonna aspect. I'm going to
0: be super sad when Ian McKellen dies.
1: He's uh, he's going to live forever.
0: Yeah, he, he feels like an actor that I, I feel will outlive me. But we're probably going to see his death in our
1: lifetimes. Yeah. he uh, He did a really great job as Gandalf in this one and every other film that he's been in playing that part i'm i'm really happy now by saying that you know i was a little underwhelmed and a little bit disappointed there were a lot of things that i like i like the fact that these movies exist i had a blast yeah with um unexpected journey i thought it was great this one still fun yeah it was still an, it, good There a lot of good stuff yeah it just
0: kind of left me hanging i went into um what was the first one called? Unexpected Journey. Unexpected Journey. I went into the first one. My excitement was maybe at a four. I was like, eh, all right, we'll we'll check it out. But I came out and I, I was I was amped. It gave me more, a lot more than what I went in expecting. This one, I think, I went in with a little more hype, and it kind of didn't didn't live up to it.
1: I think that they're doing a really good job of kind of the foreshadowing on. Thorin and his obsession with the Oakenstone and, and the way that he is throwing people to the side—basically, nothing matters except for his quest—and you're really seeing that transformation and what eventually becomes the—you know—Bilbo being consumed by the ring and Frodo being consumed by the ring. It's not, no, no. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ruining anything. You saw the movie and how crazy, how much you crazier did, he you got. You didn't read the book. I read it a long time ago and I've seen the cartoon. When did you read it? It was like I did a book report in junior high. But you know the ending. I do know the ending. I don't. Well, I'm not I'm just saying that in the second movie, he is is he not That's all I'm speaking to right here. Okay. Is he not consumed by his quest to become king under the mountain again?
2: It seems like that is what's happening.
1: And he's he doesn't give a shit about Bilbo or the other dwarves and it feels like an all-consuming sometimes, thing, sometimes. much like how Later on, the ring is going to you know, go through the, through the Baggins family.
2: Right. Well, we are also seeing that with Bilbo in, in some ways. I think Bilbo's character was the most interesting in this movie because he has really changed since the first movie. He, he says early on in the movie to, to Gandalf, which is in the trailers, I found something in the Orc Tunnels... What did you find? And he said, I found my courage. You know, obviously he found the ring. But he really did find his courage. He is a much more courageous, brave character in this. He killed those spiders by himself. He, he got himself out of the cocoon that the spider had spun him into. He um, he did some other courageous
1: shit. He, he rescued the dwarves from the elves. That's and right. And found... A smart way to get them out out of the tunnels. He confronted Smog, Smaug, Smaug himself. Now let's talk about Smog.
0: What did you guys think of Smog? What did you think of him visually? I think he looked like a dragon. He satisfied all of my needs for a giant dragon.
1: Going in, I heard that there was a lot of motion, face motion capture, um, and I was a little bit worried that. They were going to reveal Smaug, and he was going to look like Khan from the Star Trek movies. You mean John Harrison. Not oh, everyone's oh, seen Star Trek Oops, yet. that's right. I'm sorry. Spoilers, everybody. I
2: thought it looked really good. I thought the CGI was really good. It was very convincing. I had heard that in the book, Smaug is described as like bright red, and he was... More brown than red, really, in this movie. And I don't know if maybe he would have looked ridiculous if he was bright red.
0: Um, They could have made him a a realistic reddish. Yeah, I think think they could have gone a little redder. I think what I'm going to do once the next movie comes out, I'm going to sit down and reread all those books. I read them in 99. Hobbit, right through the uh, Lord of the Rings. And when I started reading them, I didn't realize that they... We're just starting making the movies, so I guess maybe I started reading them in '98.
1: You probably wrapped... Did you wrap it up right around 2001? No, I, um,
0: I started. I started reading. I read The Hobbit. Read The Hobbit when I was a kid, and then I read it again, and it must have been like '99. And then I read Fellowship of the Ring, and that's when I found out that they were making movies. And I was like, "Oh, well, this is perfect timing because I'm reading this shit now, and now they're making movies at the same time." So I think once this last Hobbit movie comes out, I'm going to go back and reread the books and give them a good give them a good critique critique now, critique critique. I think it's good to read to read a book every at least every every, every ten years or so. Like I read uh, Stephen King's It when I was in high school, and then I read it mid 20s, and it was like a totally different book just because of my perspective in life. So I'm also going to sit down and read that again pretty soon. And I think it's really interesting when reading things with such a gap in between them that your perspective on life gives you such a different perspective and you get so many different things out of whatever you're reading for a third or fourth.
1: Were neither of you aware of the Hobbit movie from the animated feature from 1977 the or the, and the yeah, and the follow up, the Return of the King. I watched
0: those when I was a kid, and I hated the animation, so I was never really a fan of those.
1: I watched those things a million times, so I know the I knew the plot of the Hobbit. I also knew the plot of Return of the King going in to those films, so I know how it all ends just based on how many times I've watched those those films before. They had a lot of cool songs in them. If you oh. go back and look. There's, there's a lot of good singing. I fucking hate
0: the songs. When I do go back and read those books, I will skip over all of the fucking songs. Because there's songs in there that are like five pages long. Like, come on, Tolkien. This isn't necessary. We don't need to hear this fucking ridiculous history of characters that have no bearing on the plot of the story.
1: In Return of the King, the orcs sing a song called Where There's a Whip, There's a Way. And yeah. it is fucking awesome i highly recommend anybody to listen to that song what i did like about
0: the music in this movie is whenever the movie kicked off and the hobbit title screen came up and you heard the familiar peter jackson howard howard shore right you heard that that familiar score it instantly took me back in in, into that universe and i think that says a lot about what howard shore did for those movies i
2: agree do you guys like the theme from Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings main theme, or do you like the the Hobbit main theme better?
1: Gee. I think I the Hobbit them. main theme
2: is kind of like... The Misty Mountains theme.
1: <sighs> is it the, like kind of where they bring in the, sh- is it the... Is the Shire theme different than the Hobbit's theme? I don't think I'm... When I don't say know the that.
2: Hobbit theme, I'm talking about the Misty Mountains. Remember the, the the song that the dwarves sing in the first movie?
1: Oh yeah yeah. yeah it's yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: that that melody but it's obviously yeah. done with Howard Shore's like
1: I think I like the original Lord of the Rings theme best. It's um pretty recognizable. I'm I I can I'm having a hard time remembering you know the Hobbit.
2: One. I think I prefer the the one in the Hobbit a little better than the, the yeah. Lord of the Rings theme, but they're both really good.
0: I love the sh- the Shire theme.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, though. Is that the main theme for the main theme for the Hobbit? Is the the Misty Mountains theme the like I said, the one that the dwarves sing? But it's it's that melody, but done with the orchestral style. I
0: don't know if I put those. We're gonna have to listen to it at break because
1: I have them. an idea of like I can see Samwise saying some you know whiny dialogue and hearing that. Theme in the background, and that's I what I... I Mr.
0: Proto. Let me put your balls in my mouth. That's the... Those that's what scenes. I hear when, when I hear that music.
1: Yeah. Oh, Sam, just run the fucking ball <laughs> in for a touchdown, you <laughs> pussy. So, uh, there were things that I
2: liked about the movie. Um, I just can't think of them. No. I liked... Uh, <laughs> I like the ending when the, um, when the, well, the 13, it wasn't 13 dwarves, it was about, what, nine dwarves fought Smog the dragon in the, um, in the.
1: The blast furnace of the Lonely Mountain.
2: Right. And the way that the dwarves had to fight this dragon, because the whole time, like, leading up to it, because you see glimpses of the dragon, you start to get a sense of how gigantic he is. I just thought how can these 13 characters fight something that completely decimated an entire city, you know, that that couldn't fight him. Like how what how is this going to be even remotely believable, but they did it in a way that was like I totally bought in. I was like that's really cool how they worked together kind of as a unit to to use some of the architecture and and like mechanisms within the whatever that section was the the blast furnace, and I thought that that was really cool how they did that. I
1: was a little disappointed that the elaborate setup all that they to get smog in the right place and shower him with gold and do all this stuff. There' were so many working parts that had to happen. It didn't do shit, and he just took off. But that being said,
0: I thought the ending was really cool. Just with Smog like Stark, I'm gonna go fuck some shit up. Yeah, Smog like, all right, you started this, now I'm gonna fuck some shit up, and he's going off into the distance. And Bilbo's like, "Fuck, what have we done?" I thought the ending was really
1: cool. It was your, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back. The good was, guys are on their heels, kind of ending. That was, we always talk about we like. It a was lot. pretty
2: cliffhangery. Um, what What I didn't like though was that as as a complete movie, it felt kind of like the movie just stopped, as opposed to actually having its own wrap up. Um, you can still have hanging plot threads, but. It's it just didn't feel like there was a, a good end. And knowing
1: knowing how the book goes, I thought that the movie was going to end at a different section, which we will not spoil. But I thought it was going to go a little bit further. Did mm. you
0: feel that way, Paul? I forget how the book ends. So oh Jesus! Is, so this this next movie is you guys need be, to watch a cartoon. It's gonna be brand new. To, fuck that cartoon. Um, oh, there we go. aside from my picky shit about you know Legolas and the banana peels and cream pies. One of the larger problems I had with it was that it's this movie, I don't think, stands on its own at all. You need to watch the first one to get into the second one, and you need to watch the upcoming third one to have everything they set up pay off.
1: Do you think this, that The Two Towers didn't do that? Because I thought, while it was a strong movie, you needed, you needed the front end of The Fellowship of the Ring to support the two towers. I think
0: I think two towers did it better. I think you you can watch two towers and have an understanding of, all right, there's there's more to come. I agree with you. I think that the two towers
2: is done similarly. It has a beginning that really kind of would make zero sense without the fellowship of the ring. However, the ending kind of is a is a logical stopping point. Yeah. You know, like it, it didn't just feel like well, you know, we're already at 2 hours and 40 minutes. Let's just stop the movie. Which is kind of what this Hobbit movie did. But we there, there
1: is something to be said for that cliffhangery aspect that you don't get a lot in, a, in movies.
2: Yeah, but I still think they could have achieved that by giving you more of a proper ending to the movie.
1: Yeah, this, um, this movie I think a lot, like people a lot of people probably had that same problem. It felt
0: like a, a lot of setup. They, they ran out a lot of plot lines. They are like, alright, here's all this stuff. But you're not going to get it till next movie.
2: Yeah. There was, there was no kind of like winding down and then the credits. It was just like ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, ramp up. Credits.
1: I like the back and forth between Smaug and Bilbo. I thought that was a good little dialogue section. Mm-hmm. Um, I he was that. kind of toying with him almost. Yeah. Because he could have burned him at any point.
0: I like that I've forgotten what happens in the last last third of the Hobbit. I'm
1: amazed that you don't, you don't remember anything don't remember that happened. I know
0: I know there's I know something's coming up with the Arkenstone like we there's more happening with that, but I I don't remember what. So this is kind of nice going into the third movie like I don't know what's going to happen and there's all this other shit that Peter Jackson has thrown in from different books and different, you know, Tolkien middle earth legends that it's it's gonna be really fresh for me which will be really nice the one thing
1: i did the other day was i went on wikipedia and kind of updated myself on some of the things that i didn't know i read i read about radagast and i read some of the origins of sauron and kind of you know formed a better idea without having to go and read all those books
0: the cliff notes the cliff notes
2: one of the other things that i liked I kind of liked it. Was toward the end when Legolas was finally going to face off with that albino orc, the son of the the armless or handless orc that is going after Thorin. And uh, like, okay, this is going to be a really awesome showdown. And that just didn't quite live up to what I thought it was going to be. I was a little disappointed in the execution of it. It it didn't feel. As epic or dramatic as I wanted it. Yeah, to. the
0: shift between Azog in the first movie to this guy with the the head together was a serious letdown because Azog scares the shit out of me in that first movie. Like he was threatening. Like I was I was afraid of that guy. And I'm like, all right, we're gonna get more. And this is such a cool character. And then they're like, well. We're just gonna leave him at Dole Golder,
1: and we're gonna send this other fucking lackey out. We'll give out, you his. We'll give you his son. That's very similar to him, but not exactly. Do you think that the fact that we know that Legolas makes it all the way out and isn't gonna get harmed in any way does that undercut some of the tension sure. that you could
0: have? I think so. What we don't know is that in the third movie, he gets his leg cut off, and the whole. Lord of the Rings trilogy it's a robotic leg oh shit that's right spoilers everybody <laughs> so that that takes off some of the tension for you that you know he gets out you know him and Bilbo and Gandalf make it out
2: yeah I think a little bit I mean there's no question they're gonna live so sure yeah
0: but we don't know about the poor people of Lake Town that's true I don't know about Bard Or the dwarves. Or the dwarves. Who they may or may
1: not kill, but one or a couple of. Right. The sound of that Ed Sheridan song at the end, sounds like some people are going to get fucked up, and it's going to be pretty sad. (laughs) Which, by the way, I like that song. You made a comment that you didn't really dig it, but I was in. It felt really out of place to me. Uh, Yeah?
0: The three Lord of the Rings movies, and the first Hobbit movie, you know, they they were big orchestral scores. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're... Your credits music for Desolation of Smog is this, you know, soft acoustic Jason Mraz jam. Well, it, <laughs> it wasn't that. It felt thing. like when they put uh, Audio or whoever the fuck that was, in Man of Steel. It's like it, it was it was jarring for me for that for that one scene.
2: I'm pretty sure that all five of the Lord of the Rings movies so far start their credits with some kind of. Uh, more contemporary, vocal-oriented music.
1: They do. I'm pretty sure. Certainly, felt to me like that just all. some some you know fisherman down in Lake Town was yeah. just looking up at the sky and just wrote a little song about the, the desolation that was heading its way. The
2: first Hobbit movie definitely did. Yeah, and. Um, Feels like
1: Enya
0: would be saying yeah, like, something like that. like there's an like Enya
2: style at the
0: well, very Enya's end. Enya's of... a little different than Jason Mraz. She's it's not Jason more,
2: Mraz, a, though! She's a little more
0: ethereal than, you know, Jason Mraz wannabe. Well, these aren't pop songs, but... Um, yeah, I don't think that it was a
1: pop song either. This
0: one is a fucking pop song. I don't think that it is no, at it's, all. It's like it's folk, a folk song.
1: It's
2: a
0: folk song. It's a folk song. Mumford and Sons could play that on your local pop station.
2: Is Mumford and Sons pop or folk?
1: They're, they're pop folk. Pop folk. Pop folk. Folk pop. Folk
0: pop. Yeah. Um, if if that's the case, I mean, if, I'm if surprised done that by that. It's yeah. fine. I don't remember it.
1: I don't it, remember it either. But for some reason, this one, this one stood out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, you were groaning and all kinds of stuff. I wasn't sure what was wrong.
0: I don't know, Smog takes off and Bilbo's like, what have we done? And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah. you and I both love. It's like, what's happening? Let's
1: get it started in here. <laughs> and run in, run in, and, and flying, in, fly in. So, Paul, what is your final
2: grade for the desolation of Smog? And, and not only
1: that, are we actually, doing
0: 1 through 10 grading? Yes, yeah, do 1 through 10. Are we doing a, excitement?
1: Can, can we do that after we saw it, though? Because don't we usually do polynomics for potential movies?
0: But we can do we can do excitement and
1: final grade. Okay. Sure.
0: Wait, wait. So, n-
2: normal polynomics is...
1: For an upcoming mean, film. For that an upcoming that film. What, it's not a review. Your
2: excitement level metric and, and your expectation, what you think it's going to grade at.
0: My excitement was...
2: I'll, I'll say it was... I'll say it was a 7. Now, you earlier said that the Unexpected Journey, your excitement was a 4. So the Correct. quality of that movie increased your
0: excitement level for the sequel. Absolutely. Uh, I expected a 7. or I was, I was excited for a 7. I expected an 8. Mm. But what I got was a 6. So wait a minute,
2: you're telling me that you thought Thor 2 was better than The Desolation of smog Because there was a lot more cream pies and banana peels in Thor 2. What did I give
0: Thor 2 a 7? Didn't you give it a 7? Um. Yeah, I, I i enjoyed Yeah, I enjoyed Thor 2 more than Desolation of Smog Because I came out of Thor excited. And I came out of Smog like, alright, I guess we'll see what happens in the next one.
1: That was my general feeling too. I was like, well... Damn, I'm excited for the next one. Yeah.
0: I stand by my numbers. Ian,
1: numbers. I would say that, unexpected journey, my expectation was a three. I didn't even go to see it. Ooh, in, a three. I didn't even. We're going to go Token on a hater. We're No, we're going to go on a roller coaster here. It was a three. I don't know why I didn't really. Put my hands up. Yeah, put, put your hands <laughs> up. <laughs> We're climbing the hill, it was three, I was like, I don't know, I didn't go see it in the theaters. I purchased it whenever it was released, I didn't watch it for months. Then I finally got around to watching it, and I loved it. Oh my god, I feel like I'm in that Sonic commercial right now. (laughs) So then, because I loved it so much, and it was so unexpected of a journey that I took, I was really excited for this. Um... I would say that my excitement level was an 8. I was really up there. I thought I was going to get an 8. I feel like I got a 6. That's what I feel.
2: Matt? Um, expectation. Do I tell you my expectation for an unexpected journey?
1: My What happened with this movie directly was connected to the fact that I had no expectations, then loved it.
2: Well... I don't go to midnight premieres all that often. I've done them for Star Wars. I did them for the last Indiana Jones movie. And I've done them for... Actually, I think that's it. And I decided I was going to do the Midnight Show for an unexpected journey last year. Because I was so excited. So my excitement, Midnight Show, that's probably about a
1: 10. Um, My -hmm. expectations... I I, I don't think you can get higher than... A midnight showing yeah. excitement level, right? Uh,
2: I expected a lot out of it. I thought the trailer was phenomenal. They showed the trailer one year before they showed before the movie came out, which is kind of an unusually long amount of time before the the premiere of the movie. Um, and I thought the trailer was phenomenal. Just seeing like all these dwarves and and they played that theme song right off the bat and I was like, this movie's gonna be great. And I think it was. I I gotta say, I think it's better than some of the Lord of the Rings movies, so I'm gonna give it a ten.
1: Wow.
0: What you gave Desolation of Smog a ten? No,
2: we're talking unexpected Oh, journey. Okay. So right. I'm gonna go ten and ten. Still,
1: even so, that's
2: that's high yeah. praise.
0: Yeah, that is that is real high praise, but I'm not I'm not gonna argue and I thought uh, Unexpected Journey was really fucking good.
2: Yeah. Um, the, uh, the follow-up, for whatever reason, I wasn't as excited about it. I just didn't get into it as much. I didn't do the midnight show. I didn't see it until Saturday evening. Um, and, uh, I would say my excitement for it was about a seven this time. Um, and my expectations, though, were still high. I want to say... Because I wasn't quite as excited I was probably expecting around an 8 or probably a 9 because the first one was that good plus all the other movies have been pretty consistently great. So um, I would say it it wasn't quite uh, a 9. I would give it about an 8. I think giving it a 6 is ludicrous. Uh, Especially in light of the fact that you gave Thor 2 a higher grade but
0: this
1: is a direct attack it's on me. a meaning. 7.
0: We gave him a 6 and a 7. It wasn't like we gave Hobbit a 4 and gave Thor a 10. They're pretty close. And if we allowed each other to give quarter grades or half grades, <laughs> they may even be closer. Anyway. Uh, that it said, said
1: it was, I didn't dislike this movie at right? all.
0: No, 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 I hear you.
2: I'm just joking around. But I think I didn't dislike it either. It wasn't quite as good as I thought it could have been because I thought there were some... Small problems with it, but I I did like it. And I'm excited for the next one. I think the next one could likely be better than the finale for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I consider the weakest of the three of that trilogy. Anything
1: Anything that happened with this film didn't change my excitement for the third movie. It's still very high, so... That'll do
0: it for Hobbit Talk. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little Christmas. It's See you shortly. It's to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow A pair of hopper long boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Barney and Ben. Dolls that will talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Welcome back to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Uh, let's get a pizza count. Ian. Four. Matt. Three. I also had three, but one of mine was kind of kind of tiny, so I'm going to go two and three quarters.
1: I was extremely hungry today. I needed the pizza.
0: When we kicked this episode off, we promised Christmas talk, and that's what we're here to give you. Christmas talk. We're going to talk Christmas favorites. We're going to talk some Christmas least favorites. And just just really get in the spirit of the holiday.
1: Now, do we count The Nightmare Before Christmas as a Halloween or Christmas movie or both? Because I can watch them at either time. You just split a hole in limbo with that question? Is it
0: Christmas or is it Halloween? I think it's a little more Halloween, but I think it can can work for either. It's a uni-holiday.
2: Yeah. I don't think it would work for Easter. Well, it's not
0: the nightmare before Easter now. Yeah, but, but isn't the Easter Bunny in? It? It's established that there is an Easter world <laughs> in that movie, right? There's an Easter world,
1: I believe. Easter Town. I'm trying to look up whenever it's. Oh, well, I guess it was released <coughs> before Halloween. Right. That's, yeah, October 29th, 1993, before Halloween. For some reason, I, I. Feel like my family went to see it before Christmas. I don't know if that was one of those movies that was re-released, or if just because it was in the early '90s, in my I bag never, felt.
0: I never saw this in the theater.
1: No. <clears throat> maybe it just. Uh, maybe it just stayed in the theaters until Christmas. Yeah. But I have a distinct recollection of it snowing and going to see this movie at well, some been point. Been snowing in October. Could have been.
2: I saw it in October in the theater as well. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, we can, we can classify that as a favorite if, if that's where you want to go. Would you like to start with favorite holiday
0: movies? We
1: certainly can.
0: Ian, is that your favorite holiday movie? Your favorite Christmas movie? Nightmare Before Christmas?
1: It's one of them. I'd say that the movie that I traditionally watch now, it's a new tradition... The guys at that old comic smell mentioned it. Bad Santa starring Billy Bob Thornton and the ethereal Bernie Mac.
0: Hello, Bernie Mac. Taken Ritty from us Ritty. too soon. True,
1: true. As was John Ritter. Yeah. That's correct. He was in that true. film as well. You know, miserable con man and his partner pose as Santa Claus and a little helper to rob a department store. A heartwarming little tale.
0: I've never seen Bad Santa.
1: It cracks me up. I make a point to watch Bad Santa every single year. I like Billy Bob. Showing at the Oaks. I'm gonna. I own it. I put it in my (laughs) DVD player today. I just didn't watch it. Ian doesn't like the theater experience. Uh, you must have thought you'd just watch it from home. I like the uh, theater experience. Where are we getting that I don't like the theater experience?
2: Because you've never come to the Oaks. To the Oaks? But I went to... And I've invited you. You have. Multiple times.
1: I went to Pittsburgh Mills this weekend we to watch... Were we supposed
2: to go watch Jaws together as a team? We were. Who, who... Paul pussied out Who from in... the McSauce comic book podcast represented to see Jaws
0: That's this past summer?
1: It would be you, Matt.
0: MacGuffin. That's right. Well done, sir. Thanks.
1: But yeah, that would be the movie that I, I I like the most in the holiday season.
0: I need to sit down and watch it. I'm sure it's going to be on at some point, or you could probably just, just let you, me borrow that yeah, I'll let you borrow DVD. It. Yeah, I've, I've I've never seen it. I feel like it has like I've never wanted to see it. You're I've not going to like it because everybody
1: is. Everybody's despicable and unlikable. Those are traits that you can't go along with in your film. There's nobody that you can follow along with as a viewer and be like, "I like that person." Even the kid's kind of a dope. So, kind of a dope. Thurman Merman is the weirdest fucking kid
2: on the planet. And I don't think he was acting, by the way. I think, I think
1: was, he's special.
2: Yeah, I think that really was that kid, but I love him. I Thurman Merman is my favorite child actor of all time. That's who should have been Anakin Skywalker <laughs> in
1: Star Wars. Thurman, like, Lauren Graham's character of Sue is just kind of sad. Like, she's not yeah. a bad person. She's just a broken person. So, for those reasons, Paul, you might not like bad Santa. So, do you
0: guys find Lauren Graham attractive?
1: I like Lauren Graham. I think she's sexy.
0: I couldn't be any less attracted to Lauren Graham. Not even a little bit. No? I watch... Yeah, I think she's cute. I watch Parenthood on a regular basis, and she's like the... She's supposed to be like the cool, fun, sexy mom, and, you know, guys are hitting on her and stuff, and I have no sexual attraction to her whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I I think she's cute. I think she was really cute in this movie as well. It was back in 2003, so she had little less mileage on the tread of her tires, but I don't watch Parenthood. I don't I don't, I don't, know her from that at all, but I thought she was cute in Bad Santa.
0: Matt, is Thurman Merman the actor or the character? the character? It's the
1: character. The actor is... It's He's just the kid in the credits on IMDb, if you're looking there. It's uh, Brett Kelly.
0: Okay. Yeah, Bad Santa is going to have to get uh, put on the list just to have seen it just like the godfather
1: i don't think that you'll ever see the godfather um i'll bring bad santa over next time i see you
0: i will watch the godfather eventually cuz i did watch scarface eventually
1: you must have hated the shit out of that movie did you like scarface no sorry. Right. i've never seen it you didn't hate scarface
0: i didn't hate it but i wasn't i wasn't you know intrigued by it or anything could give it or take it I don't, I, don't, I don't do mob movies. Like, I don't mob understand that entire... that is in your thing. Well, mob, mob movies especially, I don't understand that entire lifestyle. Like, why do you want to live with a fucking... You know, looking over your shoulder all the time. Just fucking get out. Get out of the business. Just go... Go move to Milwaukee.
1: But that's all I your friends... Because you grew up like that, Paulie. Yeah.
0: All your friends are... Yeah, I, I didn't grow up like that.
1: So... <laughs> Me I didn't either, but I mean, it's still something that I enjoy watching. Because it's so foreign to me, I don't know what it's like to rob anybody or do anything bad, for that matter. (laughs) Goody two shoes. You're not. You're not. Oh yeah. (laughs) So uh, Matt. Yeah. Do you have any Christmas traditions? Any movies that you like to watch every single year? Um.
2: Yes. However, it should be noted that. Um, Brett Kelly, Thurman, a.k.a. Thurman Merman, was also in Trick or Treat, the Halloween uh, cult classic that just recently got a sequel uh, hmm. approved. Um, he was in that in 2007. I don't know who the hell was. So he, he, he that. is
1: your favorite child actor. Yeah,
2: right? Because we be... talked about that movie, on the, I believe it was on the Halloween podcast, and, yeah. and then I lent it to Paul, and we both quite liked it.
1: He would be a badass Anakin.
2: Yeah. Oh, he was the the, the son in it, and he was helping um, carve the pumpkin with, uh, what's that actor's name?
0: I don't know. So, is, is Trick or Treat your favorite Christmas movie? Yes. Is it's that a... where we're going with us? Yep. Trick or Treat, there you go. Alright, looks like a Halloween podcast. Redux. A close runner-up, though, for a
2: favorite Christmas movie is It's Gotta Be a Christmas Story. I know it's kind of cliché at this point, but fuck that. I was a fan of that movie before, before it became, like, the most popular thing since Sliced Bread, which, really... Or is it the greatest thing since sliced bread? The
1: greatest thing since
2: sliced. Why bread. is sliced bread the greatest thing ever? Why is that the gold standard for which all great things are measured? You Paul, can make explain. sandwiches.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, beyond that,
1: buttered bread.
2: You can but no, you break a piece off and butter it the old fashioned way. Actually, that's the class way of doing. Is
1: it, it maybe like the slicing of the bread that like bread itself was just like kind of lame, but then they cut it. And it was like, holy shit, sliced bread. Not just bread, but sliced bread.
2: I feel like sliced bread is also like would be a cool nickname for maybe like a, a weaselly gangster or something. Is it sliced
0: bread? Yeah. Hey, sliced like,
1: bread. I think you're confusing that with home
0: slice. <laughs> or home stuck. Maybe.
1: So, sliced bread is your favorite Christmas tradition.
0: Yeah.
2: Christmas Story, fantastic movie. Um, I think I I watch it at least once a year, and I still find myself actually laughing out loud at it every time, even though I've seen it, I'm sure, well over 100 times. Probably over 500
0: times, knowing me.
1: Well, it's hard to avoid watching it every year because it's on TNT on a loop for 24 hours.
0: It's not that hard to avoid. I haven't seen that movie in seven to ten years
1: do you go for families during Christmas because somebody's always got yeah, it right. on at I know one house that I go to my
2: family would come over on Christmas Eve I've made sure that shit's on TV and certain family members are like really can we just change the channel no fuck
0: you go home if you don't like it yeah that's I'm that family member that says can we just turn this off I've, I've had enough of Christmas story I loved it when I was a kid it was so funny when I was a kid and when I was in high school. But Paul has outgrown that kind of juvenile and then it sense it, of humor. And then it became the the Christmas mecca of movies. The Star Wars of Christmas movies, if you will. Paul used to like it when it was cool. Much like he used to
2: like Star Wars when it was cool and underground. I did, gee. Like,
0: it was kinda nice because no one no one knew about it and you weren't beat over the head with it all the time. Now they run it for twenty four hours. One T V station runs it an entire day. That is that's according to you
2: easily avoidable.
0: Yeah, it is, and I do, but that still doesn't that still doesn't stop me from having to hear about it all the time.
1: You wanna teach new generations of kids that they're gonna shoot their eye out and you can't have one eye children running around on Christmas Day.
0: I'm having this conversation with Matt right now. <laughs> so you're not a big fan anymore. I'm sure if I sat down and watched it, I would still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I would still laugh at it. I don't dislike it. I just wish that I wish it was less a part of Christmas. Like I feel like that and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation just exploded at some point, and now Christmas starts rolling around, and you can't you can't get away from them. You you just can't get rid of them. I wish they were played a little less frequently there's a little less you know merchandise and fan hype surrounding them yeah there so has maybe become... you could enjoy them a little bit more
1: the fact that people take tours of the house that randy and ralphie grew up in it's kind of insane that people still to this day do that
2: i visited that house and did the tour it's not really a tour you basically yeah. go in and you walk around and by yourself and check it out um they let a handful of people in at a time the, the reality is that that is not the actual house yeah uh-huh. it, it is on the outside but the inside it's like a replica made to look the way that the sets look oh, all the indoor stuff that makes sense from the movie was shot in toronto i believe after they shot all the exterior stuff so it was all done on sets and then edited together to look like one, you know, cohesive shot or whatever. But the inside of that house is all replica. The outside and the street and all that stuff—that's legit. What I think sucks for the people that live out there is that their neighborhood has become a tourist attraction because it truly is just in a neighborhood, mm-hmm. and you know, you have just. Lines of cars parking, you know, like halfway on the sidewalk, especially around Christmas time. It's got to be annoying it So
1: be. as bad as Paul hates that movie, there's an entire town of people that hate it even more. I would think
2: so, yeah. Unless all those people have since gotten out and other people like being there, I don't know, but...
1: Would you consider moving there?
2: No. But... Um, they have a museum across the street I guess the owner of the house went ahead and bought some property across the street and that's kind of like the, the museum uh, and gift shop where they have all the props from the movie and costumes you know that you can see it was kind of cool if you're a big fan of the movie um, and then the gift shop where they sell like replicas of the leg lamp and the BB gun and shirts magnets all that
1: kind of crap we have a nightlight leg lamp that we put up for the holidays. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Doesn't hurt anybody. It's fun. It's kitschy. Eh. You know, I don't take myself that seriously. Put it up. Have fun. for the holidays.
0: <laughs> I, I will put nightlights up. I just won't put the leg lamp, nightlight up.
1: You're a serious man. I understand that.
0: I will not be goaded into some silly argument. Now, if Matt... Damn it! If Matt were to approach me and want to talk Christmas story, I would gladly talk with Matt. Because I know Matt would actually have an actual dialogue with me. Instead are of you, just trying to goad me into an argument.
1: Are you saying that that's something that I do? I take offense. Maybe, maybe in the past, but this is a new podcast. Every podcast is different. Much like a snowflake.
0: I'm a different man. So, Matt, your love for a Christmas story started when you were a kid... Yeah, and it hasn't diminished over all these years.
2: Well, I I might be wrong when I say this, but I'm pretty sure that A Christmas Story is the first movie that I ever saw in the movie theater. My parents took my brother and, and me to go see that movie back in 1983. I would have been... had just turned four years old. And we went on December 26th, the day after Christmas, and we went to the theater to go see Return of the Jedi. Back when movies, you know... Were in the theater for 12 months. Right. And it was sold out. So the other movie that was showing was A Christmas Story, so we saw that. And the only recollection that I have of being in that theater was the sequence when Ralphie beat up the bully. Which, as a kid, always gave me a lot of confidence that I could always beat up people bigger than me if I had to, because Ralphie was able to. You just need to have Hulk, Hulk rage out, Hulk rage out, yeah.
1: It wasn't the bully like a couple years older.
2: Several years, I think he should have
1: kicked the shit out.
2: He just of wasn't him. ready. Ralphie caught him off guard because <laughs> he was he was overconfident, and he never had anybody stand up to him before. That's what you gotta do:
1: punch a bully right punch in a the bully mouth. Right
2: in the mouth. That's, that's, they, that's football.
0: Uh, Terminology
1: Etiquette 101. If I've ever learned anything from John Madden, that's what I've learned.
0: If I've learned anything from listening to other people recall their pasts on podcasts, it's that my memory is fucking terrible. i listen to people talk, and they're like, oh yeah, that was on this channel. And even when Don was here, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, this was the Saturday morning lineup in 1983 for these three stations, and this is what I do. Like, I don't remember any of that shit. But... There are so many iconic moments in A Christmas Story that they will stick with me forever. You know, Ralphie beating up the bully, kid sticking his tongue on the the flagpole, oh, shooting his eye out, Fudge the soap in the mouth, Santa stepping Santa on his pushing head, pushing him down the slide.
1: Oh, oh, oh! Christmas dinner at the Chinese place. This
0: is the dogs. I mean, it's
1: a it's a it's a great movie. The pink uh, bunny outfit. Do we say that? Pink bunny outfit.
2: It really is. It it is
1: chock full. As a matter of fact, now that you pointed out, there's
2: probably more iconic moments in that movie than any other movie that I can think of. Maybe there. Maybe that's an incorrect statement. But
1: we're not gonna. No one's jumping on you here. Uh, You can. This is a place where you can feel safe to make bold proclamations. (laughs) Like Thor: The Dark World was really, really, really good. (laughs) (laughs) And don't worry Next week we won't jump ya Or like everyone's favorite
0: Iron Giant is the greatest achievement in animation history
1: Modern filmmaking (laughs) I think it was Citizen Kane (laughs) Boo
2: Have you ever seen Citizen Kane I haven't,
1: I'd like to see that
2: I've seen it three times
0: Overrated Boring
1: as hell
2: That would be something you'd love
0: Is Citizen Kane the Rosebud movie? Yes Alright, I always get that in Streetcar Named Desire. Rose mud, Rose boar. Oh!
1: zing! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Alright, so a Christmas Story, it's my favorite of all the Christmas movies. Uh, it it just has clearly, withstood. it's a timeless movie. Do you anyway. think it's
0: always going to be? Do you think it's really going to be timeless? Or do you think the, like, 70s sensibilities of that movie are going to catch up to... Are going to catch up to itself, and at some point, people just aren't going to get it.
2: Um, I think it's going to withstand the test of time. I already think that it has. I think it's transcended generations by now. I think there's a whole new generation of people that have fallen in love with it. Um, that movie is almost 30 years old. It so. probably helps
1: that it was a period piece at that exactly. time, because it's set in the 40s. Right. So it kind of takes a little bit of that away, it, or it, it gets dated, because it's supposed to be dated.
2: It is... Um probably like the most you love period is that when it takes place in the 40s yeah yeah it's the most loved uh christmas movie since it's a wonderful life and i feel like it's somewhat um overtaking that because you know it's a bit younger it's a little bit more hip but um you know people still love it's a wonderful life that has clearly withstood the test of time and i think a christmas story will as well
0: I don't think it's... I don't begrudge it. It's hype. Like, I think it's... It's it's worthy of it. I mean, it's... You know, from the, the voiceover, the, the whole thing.
2: That's the funniest part, too. Gene Shepard actually did the voiceovers in that movie. And there are certain lines. Like, my favorite part in that movie... I gotta tell you what my favorite part. When he's in line to go see Santa Claus toward the end. And... Um, he's waiting there and right in front of him is that goofy fucking kid with the aviator goggles on and he turns around doesn't he buck
1: teeth too or something I don't he he was just super super goofy yeah
2: and and if I'm not mistaken he actually was wearing the goggle portion of the of the aviator hat did kids really do that and he and he turned around to, to face Ralphie and everything about his body language was hysterical like he didn't just turn his head, he he tur- his head his neck was straight as if he were in the Batman old-fashioned cowl where he can't turn his neck. And his whole body just rotated toward Ralphie and he had that that insane grin. And he's like, I like Santa. <laughs> and Ralphie was so unamused by this fucking kid that he just goes, Yeah. And then Gene Shepard comes in with the voiceover and he goes, let's face it most of us were scoffers but moments before Zero Hour it did not pay to take chances I think that is the all time funniest fucking line in that movie
1: I loved how rude the elves were as they were like hustling the kids up to Santa who also in turn was like disinterested as fuck with these kids
0: yeah the dialogue written for Gene Shepard was some of the best parts of that movie yeah and like the dialogue is delivery of them really good stuff
1: now, Paul, I'm sure that you have a favorite Christmas movie. Is it, or is it Christmas? Is it is it Kwanzaa? Do you have a favorite Kwanzaa movie, perhaps?
0: Um, I don't think I have a favorite Christmas movie. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, I guess we did talk about it a little bit before we came back, and we've been talking this whole time. You think I'm that you could have like tried to figure one out?
0: <laughs> what do you think I've been doing this entire time? Avoiding fighting with all me. All the Christmas movies that I know and trying to pick a favorite. And I don't think I have one that stands out like, oh my god, I need to see this every year. I'm a big fan of Jingle All the Way. Fair. Which is way better than it has any right to be. Some of Sinbad's best work. I've said it a long time. Arnold Schwarzenegger is best in comedic roles, serious action hero, fine. I enjoyed Predator. I like T two, but throw him in Twins or Jingle All the Way, give him some silly shit to do, you like and him. that's when he's at his best. So you think he was better in Twins than he was in Predator? You're a man. I think it's a draw. I, True, True Lies, great, great Arnold movie. I'm because so he's ex- fucking funny in that movie. It's I'm, kind of both, right? He does both. He does. But it's not the action. I I don't look to Arnold Schwarzenegger to get my action fix. Like, I want him to do comedies.
1: You know who was great in Jingle All the Way? Little known young actor, Jake Lloyd, was awesome in Jingle All the Way. Should have been
0: Thurman Merman. Should have (laughs) been. Jake Lloyd's deliveries were flawless.
1: (laughs) Don't know what happened. I'm Turbo
2: Man. No, I'm Turbo. You always get to be Turbo Man, right? Wasn't that... That's right.
1: In all honesty, I've never seen Jingle All the Way. I'm just looking at the IMDb page.
2: I actually love that movie, although the ending is a, a little tough to take. Um, there There's a lot of movies, holiday movies, that have kind of that, that overly sweetened kind of ending, which doesn't exactly fit the tone of the movie. It, it's... Because it's a Christmas movie, it has to have this ridiculously feel-good style ending.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I think Jingle All the Way is guilty of that. Uh, really really popular one, Elf, Thanks. is guilty of that.
1: That's a good movie.
2: Um, Eight Crazy Nights, the, the animated Adam Sandler Hanukkah movie. I've never seen that. It's
0: pretty good. The movie that I've taken to watching every you Christmas season... It. Because which has, it has singing in it. so mm. I don't dislike singing movies. I love Godspell. I love West Side Story. I can get down with some musicals. Just not the singing in The Hobbit. Just not. Not singing in The Hobbit book. Okay, gotcha. So anyway, go ahead. The movie that I've taken to watching every Christmas season is J.J. Abrams' Star Trek.
1: What? That's not a... I
0: know. It has nothing to do with Christmas, but something about it... Every year around Christmas time. For the last
2: two years, I've been <laughs> watching it every year.
0: Last year, I just had this this need to sit down and watch Star Trek. And this year, same thing. I'm like, man, I need to sit down and watch like that we, movie.
1: We talked about Lord of the Rings, and I I sometimes watch the Lord of the Rings around the holiday season. It makes a little bit of sense because it came out around the holidays, but Star Trek was a summer blockbuster. But that's okay. That's fair. If that's what you watch, that's what you watch. We don't judge here on I'm the Sauce Podcast. It is Podcast. my favorite Christmas movie. You can. It is, you can. It
0: is going to be a Christmas tradition for me. I think that's cool.
2: There are certain movies that are tied and associated with Christmas, even though they have nothing to do with it. Avatar, right?
1: I've never seen Avatar.
2: Came out around Christmas time. Avatar is pretty good. It was pretty good.
1: Would it hold up if I watch it just at home on my yeah. regular screen? No 3D effects. No yeah. nothing.
2: Yeah, check it out. It's it's an entertaining movie. Certainly, I it,
0: it I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time. Like it was Titanic, a was, Christmas movie came out. Was that a winter movie? It, it came feels out, like
1: it. It may was it maybe like Thanksgiving ish? No, it was more like
2: Christmas. But I don't remember. I think it may have came out on Christmas Day. Yeah, uh, I almost went. And saw that with my mother on Christmas
0: Eve, or Christmas Eve, um, New Year's Eve. December 19th. I decided not to. December 19th, 1997.
1: How many times did you go see Titanic, Matt? Zero. Zero? Twice. Twice. Titanic's really good.
0: Um... Have you seen it? Yeah, once. It's a good movie. Really? Yeah. I, I haven't really seen. Like it.
1: I haven't seen it since I watched it last in the theater.
2: I didn't care for it. I didn't like Leonardo Di, DiCaprio at the time. I couldn't stand that dude.
0: I like it in spite of him.
2: Really, I was rooting I for Billy really Zane him. the whole time.
0: I don't. I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. I haven't really liked him in anything I've seen him in. I think he's got a. I don't like his face.
1: But I like, I like. Does his hair come into play here at all? No.
0: I don't know. Something about that guy. I just, I just don't like him. But yeah, I like Billy Zane. I like Victor Garber.
1: Kate Winslet was naked.
0: Yeah, Kate Winslet. Winslet's alright.
1: Uh, you didn't so, like Mr. Dave, Super High Standards here tonight, folks. Leonardo Damn. DiCaprio didn't like him in Inception. Not really. Didn't like him in Shutter Island.
0: No, like, it's something about him and his characters. I don't know. It's it's him. Like, I I can't get into his characters. Like, everyone else in Inception, I liked. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked all the other cast members in The Departed. But something about Leonardo DiCaprio, I can't fucking get into him. I think because he always looks ten to me. But he always has, like, some shitty, patchy facial hair to try to make him look tough. And that's just not who that guy is. He... Does not pull it off effectively. Hmm.
1: Gremlins, another holiday movie. christmas e movie. Halloween redux, folks. Gremlins
0: takes place during Christmas. Is that your favorite Christmas movie? Not
1: favorite, but it's a Christmas movie. Gremlins. It's more closely tied. The opening theme song to Gremlins is Christmas. That's what they sing when they're fucking panning over the town so it's a Christmas movie what is your favorite Christmas movie? Bad Santa. I said it I had one whenever we got to me
0: yeah I I, I, don't have one <laughs> I'm going to have to sit down and really research some Christmas movies because nothing really stands out as oh my god this is this is the one but that also speaks to my uh, hatred of holidays my indifference
1: toward Christmas <clears throat> you're not a holiday person
0: no, holidays kind of just interfere with my daily run of things. Cause you're a creature of habit, right? Yeah, holidays just kind of interrupt my my routine. I could I could give or take them. Like I for real, if I didn't have to do Christmas presents ever, that's fine. Like I don't need to get gifts. I don't need to give gifts. If we just put a pause until I'm dead on Christmas, you don't. Like, I wouldn't hate that.
1: You don't like giving gifts. You don't like. Getting something really cool for one of your loved ones and watching them open it up, and and oh, I never thought that you remembered that I said that I wanted this. You don't like that feeling? Mm, uh uh-uh.
0: <laughs> I, I I could could give it or take it. I mean, like if I if I, I love I your honesty. If I want something real bad, I'm like, well, I'll just go buy it. And like because the way I am with Christmas, I'm like, tell me what you want, and uh, and I'm I'm gonna go get it. I'm not like. It's the whole thing about, oh, i got to find stuff, and i got to
1: do this, and I, mm. The only problem got, that I have with the holiday season is that Tracy's birthday is on the 15th, and then Christmas is on the 25th. So I have a double dip of, like, birthday stuff, and then right around the next week, Christmas stuff. I don't dislike it. It's just difficult to get gifts in that short order. But I... I I like Christmas. I like that. I like giving gifts and I like getting shit too. But I don't know. It's all right. I don't like I don't like the commercialism. I don't like the way that people act during the holiday seasons because they're so stressed out and all the holidays and all that bullshit. Everybody's stressed. You're just being an asshole because that's who you are. I don't like that.
0: Matt, are you on board with the Christmas spirit, the giving and receiving of Hold gifts? on. Matt, you're awful quiet over there. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I am on board with it. I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. Uh, even really? Though,
1: yeah. You are just full of bold statements today.
2: <laughs> I love Halloween and Thanksgiving, too, but...
1: I would have thought that, that Halloween would be your favorite.
2: Christmas, just a little bit more, and, and that probably has a lot to do with kind of that nostalgia that I have as a kid. Um, in general, I'm kind of a nostalgic person and a traditional... Type of person, so it's hard to let that go. Um, but it, my love for the holiday has diminished a bit because of the commercialism of it, and how other fuckers out there seem to be hell bent on like destroying what really was a pure and fun festive time of the year. Um, but as as my one friend once put in in a Christmas card to me as I was kind of getting down about the commercialism of the holiday, he said, "Look." Don't let the bad guys win, so you can still like it for what it what it is to you. Um, and I think we can unequivocally say tonight after this podcast that Paul is the villain of the mix. I don't Marvel think there's podcast. any
1: question after, but he's super honest. He's an honest and that's why we love runner. Paul. Yeah, and I, uh, I don't. How I, I, many? Orphans? Did you kick in the nuts on the way to the podcast? I think tonight.
0: there was a, there was a point where I I was resistant to Christmas because of all the commercialism and everything. But now I'm at the point I don't I don't give a shit. I just don't care. Do what you want. You know, have your big sales, whatever. Like I still would prefer It to start after Thanksgiving. At least give me that. Yeah. But if if Christmas was canceled for me, just for me. I mean, everyone else can enjoy Christmas.
1: All the who's down in Whoville.
0: Yeah, I um, I don't have any any deep uh, emotional attachment to the holiday. It's so, when a, when you're a kid, Christmas is amazing. When was what, what was your... when I was a kid, Christmas was amazing. But the older I get, the less interested I get. <laughs>
1: Did you can you remember what was your favorite Christmas memory? Do you have one deep down there in that that black heart of yours? <laughs>
0: I have, I guess the only, I guess there's only one I actually remember, which is, and it may have been. You
1: remember one Christmas? <laughs> it was the time that I knocked that bowl of porridge out of that homeless dude's <laughs> hands.
0: Like I previously said, my memory isn't the greatest for for these things.
1: I can't wait to hear what your favorite Christmas moment was. It
0: was. It may have been the last time that I truly enjoyed a Christmas morning. I was three years old. Well, like I I have memories of getting stuff like that. I have some some old picture of a Christmas morning, and I have I got like Castle Grayskull and the GoBuck Command Center and a bunch of He-Man guys and some Transformers, and it, it must have been amazing because that's all of my favorite stuff. And like I look at that back at that picture in those times with an immense immense nostalgia. But as far as actually remembering. That morning, I got nothing. But the Christmas morning, I I do remember. I must have been in I want to say sixth grade, sixth seventh grade, or so. And uh, my brother, who's quite a few year, years years younger than me, like I was. I think I was just over that age where I wasn't getting up at five in the morning because I was excited about Christmas anymore. Like, I was like, all right, Christmas is here. Um, this is, I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to sleep then. But my brother was at that age where he was like, this is awesome. We're going to get up at four. Woo! And I remember him waking me up at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, just amped, ready to do this. Let's open some presents. Santa came. This is awesome. And his excitement for Christmas was infectious. And it got me excited for Christmas morning, and that's one of the very few, if not the only, actual memory I have of a Christmas morning. It
1: was the last time that he felt feelings mm-hmm. on Christmas. I think
2: you need to be visited by some
0: fucking ghosts. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't think I need that one bit. I don't need a I don't need a walk down memory lane. We'll teach you the true meaning.
2: Mm-mm. Well, we're going to go down memory lane, show you the present state of things, and then we're going to show you dead.
0: That's what they do. And how everyone misses me. i like, man, wasn't he a prick?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he was so honest. He was he so was honest. An honest, an prick. honest, honest prick. Mm-hmm. Matt, what was your favorite Christmas memory? Well, I. I talked about it
2: a little bit the last time that we talked about christmas on the podcast i i got a a gift that i remember very vividly it was the how to Draw cartoons the bruce blitz way or whatever i don't know exactly what it was called but it was a vhs cassette tape and it came with uh f- like a pad of paper a little portfolio kind of paper sleeve type of thing Came with some pencils, a pen, a rubber eraser. My very first experience with a rubber, like a kneaded rubber eraser, which was the coolest thing because you could like stretch it out and never really used it as an eraser. You just played with it like silly putty. Made your hands smell weird. Um, That and other things. Right. So I... I remember that gift, and I can remember drawing like a motherfucker. I would draw so much. I would watch this video over and over and over again and draw with it every single time. And I remember doing that on Christmas Day. So that's a very vivid memory. But, uh, Paul, your story about how you and your brother got up early for Christmas reminds me how my brother and I used to kind of do it um, My brother's two years older than me, so we were, you know, basically the same age where we could be excited about stuff together, and we would also get up retardedly early and surely piss off my parents every single year that, you know, we're ready to fucking go at five in the morning and, you know, they want to sleep in, but it didn't matter. But I think we were allowed to. To go and open presents at 6. That was the the earliest my parents would get up out of bed. And I was always so afraid to... Because we lived in a split-level house. So there was like three floors in the house. And on the top floor were the bedrooms. Then you went down like a half flight of stairs. And that was like the kitchen and dining room and living room. Then you had to go down another half flight of stairs into the family room where the Christmas tree was and where all the presents were. So there was like two flights of stairs you had to go down to like peek at your presents. And I was always so afraid, even like more so when I still believed in Santa Claus, so up until I was about 17. (laughs) I was always so afraid to go downstairs to see if the presents were there yet. But there was one year where I mustered up like a half amount of courage, and I went down one flight of stairs, and I was trying to peek down the next flight into the family room, and I couldn't see any. So fell down the rest of the stairs. I didn't. I, I pussied out and I ran back up into the bedroom. But um, what my brother and I would do because we didn't have like TVs in our rooms or anything yet, um, what we, what we did was my brother had a little uh, travel uh, chess set. And we would play chess to try to pass the time. It was like the one time a year we would play chess. I don't think we even knew the rules. Probably play like checkers or something. No, I think he knew, but which is why I never won. But um, I can remember playing him at chess. And, and we figured that would pass the next hour and a half. You know, ten minutes later. It's like, okay, what time is it now? Um, so that's probably one of my more vivid memories.
1: What about you, Sharply? Uh, I don't know if I have like one f- one f- favorite memory. Um, I-, I remember pretty vividly the year that my parents got me the decomposed action figure from the Un- Humanoids cartoon. Um, it's, it's actually a pretty grisly gift to give a you know seven or eight year old. Yeah,
2: it- the decomposed
1: opening rib rib cages and, like, you know, decomposing skin. I get the decomposed figure. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I open it up, and on the figure, for whatever reason, he has this weird pink ponytail of hair, which wasn't on the cartoon. I was still excited, but I promptly marched the decomposed figure out to the kitchen, (laughs) took out scissors, cut that ponytail off, and now he was ready to fight Earth Corps without <laughs> that, that yeah. lock of hair. I remember cutting
0: off my decomposed hair. Did well.
1: you? Awesome, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, me, when when we were little, uh, me and my little sister, I'm six years older than Lia, and we would, I had uh, bunk beds. So she would come in my room on Christmas, and we would hang out, and in my room, I don't think we slept, we just hung out and talked about Christmas, Christmas waited. Christmas Eve was the longest fucking night of my life we also always would go over my aunt's house so there wasn't a lot of time like we would go over there until about 11 o'clock at night come exactly. home so there was a short amount of time in between like us coming home going to bed and then six o'clock when you know you were allowed to go out. you
2: never fell asleep right away you were we up.
1: never i don't think we slept very much like, ever I,
2: I think i fell asleep by maybe three in the morning or something it was like i kind of dreaded it as a kid oh my god, I'm never going to be able to fall asleep tonight. Yeah. But you did. Eventually. It was like the excitement was was palpable. Like there was a tangible excitement that you could touch because it it was fucking Christmas the next morning, so the sooner you can fall asleep, the sooner it's going to be Christmas.
1: But Christmas Day evening was always one of my favorites because we would always we would always go and travel to you know two or three different family members houses but then by the time christmas evening came around i don't know if they still had i, I mentioned this before on on uh, christmas day there's always basketball games on So I don't remember if they did that even whenever I was – I think they still did it whenever I was – when they started doing it when I was a teenager. Maybe my dad would watch some basketball and, like, do some family stuff with that and relax, play with your gifts and, and, you know, do that whole kind of thing where you could just have that moment to enjoy Christmas with your family and and the new toys that you got. Play with Decompose a little bit. So those are my favorite things.
0: Was that your favorite toy? Was that your, your big Christmas toy memory?
1: I remember getting Voltron, the metal Voltron. Oh,
0: good old die-cast toys.
1: Yeah, I remember getting Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, was another one that stands out to me.
0: There are some pictures,
2: like Paul, you talked about how you have some pictures of a like, particular Christmas where you had like all your He-Man toys and everything. There are some pictures throughout the years of of me opening gifts, and I would get so excited I would need to pose for shit, so I would hold it up and (laughs) smile, like, look, Mom, I got a Daredevil action figure that you bought for me. Um, That's funny. So I was talking with my mom this week, uh, showing because when we did our, our Toys for Tots thing, I also use my own money, folks. I picked up a My Little Pony action figure set for my niece for my nieces, and if you're listening, girls, turn this shit off. <laughs> so, I picked this this toy set up for my mom, who was kind of on the lookout for these things with these two specific characters. And I showed her, and I was like, "Is this kind of like what we wanted to get?" And she's like, I don't know. She's like, this is exactly what it was like when you and your brother were little, and we never knew what figures to get. I'm like, Mom, that's bullshit. There was two Spider-Man figures. There was a red one, a red and blue one, and
1: a black one.
2: All these, there's like 35 fucking My Little Pony toys.
1: Even with the, you know, we're looking at the Superman action figures from the movie, you would think that they'd only have a handful, but they had... You know, motorcycle smashing Superman and all different kinds of varieties. Who knows what the kids want?
2: Back in our day, though, like the superpowers line or the
1: secret wars. There was one Superman figure. There was
2: one Superman. There was one
0: Batman. There was one Green Lantern. I don't think I could have been more explicit in my Christmas lists to my mom what I wanted. Like if she came back with the wrong thing, that was on her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was pretty detailed about my uh, my stuff too, but
0: a rare Christmas memory that stands out was the Christmas I got Megatron, the first Megatron who where you could make a toy that was a pretty legitimate decent replica of a fucking handgun.
1: That is one figure that I to this day regret that I never owned. I never had Megatron. So in all the Transformer battles, I had to use like a stand in Megatron with some like generic figure it would, it yeah. would just be Megatron. Got,
0: I got Megatron that morning and we went to church and I took Megatron with me. Nice. Were you shooting the took other handers in the church? But he was he was fresh. So Every time I would transform him, oh, he yeah. creaked so <laughs> loud in the middle of quiet Catholic
1: mass. If there was any doubt about where you're going when you die, just solidified it.
0: Mm. The only thing, thing wrong about that Megatron figure was that he was once he loosened up, he had just collapsed. He couldn't support yeah. his own weight mm-hmm. once all the jo- joints got loose. So beyond
2: Christmas memories, you guys have any? Sp- Christmas specials that you remember watching as kids.
0: I remember all the Christmas specials. Well, Where I lack it? in Christmas movies, I would like to think I make up for in Christmas specials. Do you? Do you have a particular favorite or a few favorites you want to mention? All the uh, the stop motion ones. The Rankin
2: Bass. Rankin Bass stuff.
0: Which which one in particular? Probably Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Rudolph. I, I think Rudolph was on more than. Uh, anything else growing up um, I've
2: only seen the year without a Santa Claus for the first time in the last couple of years might have been last year actually I don't remember that it was kind of weird it wasn't it was okay um, but compared to Rudolph not even close in my opinion that Pe- kind of stands alone
0: Peanuts Christmas Charlie Brown Christmas yeah <clears throat> sorry Any others? That's all I got. So
2: You made it sound like you had this incredible wealth of knowledge of Christmas specials. He improved
1: games. three. He improved hundred yeah. I, I I percent.
2: <laughs> well, you <laughs> said I like to think I make up for it. Yeah. I was confident
1: that. that you had I mean, a just, lot of stuff. I was, like, Ooh.
0: Ooh. I was I was I was, I ca- I was crossing it too, but now that I'm thinking about stuff, I'm like, wait, was that a Halloween <laughs> special? <laughs>
1: Well, one that you should have liked, the the Grinch who stole Christmas. Fuck,
0: yeah.
1: I, mean, I would imagine that that your, would have been your favorite. The Grinch. And his exploits <laughs> and feelings on <laughs> happiness in the holiday season. What about you, Ian? I like the uh, California Raisins Christmas Special. I like that a lot. I've uh, never seen that. No? No. Any of the California Raisins, like, Claymation stuff? Because they had, like, a behind-the-scenes, like, making-of-the-band California Raisins special that I I loved. It was all, like, Motown hits. And f- up until I was 25, I thought the California Raisins wrote all those songs.
2: <laughs> uh, I remember the California Raisins, but
1: I don't remember any
2: particular specials by them. Yeah. And every time I look at you tonight, folks, Ian is wearing a Wolverine... <laughs> body teacher (laughs) where his head is wolverine's head but basically wolverine is a tiny little man like even more tiny than he would be in real life and i see your giant head and if i look at the whole thing it's just bizarre and like i don't know if you've noticed me like kind of holding back laughter a few times when i look at you (laughs) i thought it was just my my natural (laughs) humor well
0: that too but come on It's a pretty funny (laughs) show. I I laughed out loud when you walked in. Um, I
1: knew you guys would enjoy this.
2: So, I remember more than three Christmas specials from whenever I was a youngster. Um, I remember the... uh, I hope so, because I'm really bad at this. The Rudolph was a big favorite of mine. There were some other favorites that I liked at the time that I don't feel have exactly withstood the test of time, like the Berenstain Bears Christmas special. You like that one? I did
0: like that one. What was the Heat Miser thing?
1: That's another one was of the Christmas, Christmas
2: specials. that was Christmas special Santa Claus. Oh,
0: uh, that's what that was? Yeah. Huh. How about that? <laughs> See, I, I know these things. I have past knowledge of these things. I just can't seem to put them all together.
2: The the best one, though, is probably a Muppet family Christmas. Because what that did was, that was the one where all the Muppets decide to surprise Fozzie Bear's mom for Christmas. Because she was going to be alone in the country for for the holidays. So they were going to show up on Christmas Eve, surprise her, we're all going to stay here with you and have a great Christmas. Meanwhile, she was ready to go to, like, Florida or Hawaii or something and learn how to surf. But they caught her right before she left. Next thing you know, fucking Sesame Street shows up. I don't know who invited them, but they showed up. You're right. Then they, they go down into the basement, and there's a little hole in the basement, and they go into, like, these caves and caverns. Next thing you know, they meet up with the Fraggles. So it had everybody. It had Sprocket from Fraggle Rock. It had Doc, who was like the one and only human character in the the show. Plus all the Muppets. It was a a lot of fun. It was funny. It was kind of cool to see everybody kind of interacting.
0: Yeah, now that I look at images from this thing, I'm pretty sure this was the first time I realized the Muppets and Sesame Street were from the same same place. felt like it just went together. Uh Uh-huh. Blew my mind. Um...
1: I just remembered another one. You bringing up the Muppets reminded me of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Yep,
0: that was going to be the next one.
1: Yeah, go ahead and take it it away. I I really like that. Well,
2: something I didn't realize, I think it's from 1977. I had no idea it was that old. But that's about, um, I guess it's based on a children's book that was written, but then I guess Jim Henson got the rights to it and did it with puppets. But it's about these animals that live in this town. And they all, you know, act like people. But Emmett Otter decides to um, join his friends in a jug band, but he has to play the, the jug band, or the, uh, the, the washtub bass. But the only way to do that is got to put a hole in the, in the washtub, and that was his mom's wash tub it was her only way of making money is this a ring about you at all I've never seen it you've
1: this. never seen him at Otter I've heard of it
2: basically w- what I've it is it, it's it's a children's version of telling the story of the gift of the magi which is you know like these this couple ends up selling like one another's prized possessions for each other to buy Christmas gifts but Christmas gifts that they buy each other pertain to those things or something like that I don't know, mm. you know. Anyway, the gist is Emmett decides to buy his mom um, a piano, and he takes her way of making money to do it. And she wants to, because what they want to do is play in the talent show to win fifty bucks or something. And um, was this on
0: when we were kids? Oh yeah, it was on a million times.
2: Emmett's tool chest to get money for a costume so that way she can win the money and buy Emmett Otter like a guitar or something and uh anyway fantastic special cuz they really, really
1: good memorable songs they really play up like how downtrodden Emmett and his family are and right. you can see the struggle I know I'm making it more dramatic and it's just puppets but that's what I always took away from it was that they didn't have much, but they were putting it all together to go up against the, the infamous villain dickheads, the river bottom Nightmare Band, yeah. <laughs> who were kind of like Kiss. Yeah, kind
2: of. <laughs> and you know what, though? They were really good. They should have won. They should the have fucking show. won.
1: They were, they were awesome. They
2: deserved it. Now, I liked Emmett Otter's Jug Band.
1: But they clearly didn't have the stage presence.
2: Right. Yeah, Nightmare bloom out
1: of the water. And... Um, they had the the one member was a fish, and they had, like, a fish tank. He didn't that do guy. anything.
2: He just swam. <laughs> yeah, that, was all, that
1: was his contribution to the band. He fucking swam. I love those guys. They, and throughout the throughout the movie, while well, I'm just trying to, like, get stuff for the, his band, these guys always come rolling into the scene and just, like, take all the good stuff and tear shit up and act like idiots. So I always, this was always one of my favorite Christmas, uh,
2: they even Just fucked that. with um, Kermit the Frog, where they, like, stole his scarf and then knocked him over or something. Yeah, Kermit
1: was kind of like the uh, the narrator for this story. Right, right, So
2: he was at the very beginning, and then he showed up again at the very end. Yeah. Paul, you gotta see it, man. It's a really good one. Classic.
0: Yeah. That, that seems that way. It's heartwarming. Mm-hmm.
2: But you have to have a heart if you're going to warm it. True. Mm-hmm. All all Paul has is a lump of black coal. Where it's going to be a problem.
1: Be. Two so. sizes too small.
2: Any other any other Christmas tidbits we want to cover here? And Paul Paul, I think is checked out, folks. I think he's done.
1: I don't know. Like I, I, I'm kind of surprised that much like his zest for the holiday season, his. Interest in this podcast has run out.
0: I'm, I'm surprised that my Christmas knowledge is is so lacking.
1: I'm surprised that you, you think know? that you don't have a good memory, because I think for certain things, your memory is like a steel trap, but for other things, it's like a poop trap.
0: Not for this stuff. Like, there's Christmas stuff that I, I like, like mm-hmm. Scrooged. Scrooge, that's good. Movie. Current stuff, maybe that's
1: Current stuff. You're way better at remembering accurately than. The further your it gets in the
0: past, the.
1: Your nostalgia bone. Do you is, know is, uh, what
0: day Christmas is? Do you know the date? Twenty sixth, right? Twenty mm. fifth, <laughs> folks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's in one fucking week. Can you guys believe that shit?
0: I'm in a lot yeah, of trouble. It's,
1: it's coming up. Gotta do a lot of shopping.
0: Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. So, So
1: look out, Amazon. Here I come.
0: I'm gonna wrap up shopping tomorrow when I get comic books. Nice. You know, so buying comics for everyone this year.
2: Mm. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if you could buy everything that you wanted for your loved ones at the comic book store and just be done one-stop shopping? Yeah. That would be nice. I think I
1: actually am gonna pick up some some Christmas gifts at the comic book store. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Sharp record, so. so is that going to do it for us tonight? I think that'll do it tonight. So, guys, we're not going to be around uh, next Wednesday or the Wednesday after. We're going to take a two-week hiatus. So it'll actually be three weeks until you hear us again. But we're going to come back
0: bigger, badder, and stronger than ever in 2014. Recharge the sauce batteries. Re- exactly. They do some research on some Christmas specials fuck
1: next christmas, year's just christmas cri- everything next year's christmas show will be much better we promise but uh for everybody out there thank you so much for listening we greatly appreciate it and have a wonderful holiday season um and check back with us when we return see you <laughs> Was it dirty... Emma Daughter's uh, Sex Band Listen, Christmas? This, see, this is before Cinemax was dirty like that. It was
0: never
2: not dirty.